0: Uh, what up, Earth? Coming to you live from the Chapa City. Clean, 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 clean. Uh, I'm a beast. I'm cooking up some hilarious content, including a book detailing a goofy Australian adventure with some philosophical commentary on large scale topics. Pepperdine? Sex? Economics? Travel? Morality? That sounds kind of sick. Uh, What else I got? I got some stand-up and a sketch comedy show in the works. Pretty psyched about that. Just had a very invigorating meeting with one of our head writers. So stay tuned, bitches. Here we go. Shout out to the Printer's Wholesale Group for hooking us up with a little studio time for this episode. Sounds great. Dynamite sound quality in here. Super appreciative of that. If you need to print something beautiful and utilitarian in New Orleans, head on over to Printer's Wholesale Group. Com and get in touch with the impossibly lovely Jimmy Trey. He'll take care of you. Also, blessings go out to Shift Sport and Wellness, Prime Nutrition and Wellness, and you know Harvest Moon Coffee Roasters is getting that shout-out. Greatest coffee this side of the Atlantic. Here we go. Q's pet peeve of the week. When trash people say, I seen, instead of I saw. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Q does it again. All right, here we go. Moving on. Here we go. The knowledge of today's guest will completely be your M. My man, Connor Roberts, a fellow J, Tiger, Lambda, Savage. He's so goddamn geopolitically savvy and historically researched that you're going to feel dumb after listening to him, but... It's important to listen to smart people passionately proclaim their perspicacity. So you know what? Here you go. Because you deserve insight. Hope you're smiling today. Love you. Thanks for listening. Snugly Dragon Podcast The Snuggly Dragon Podcast, episode 56, I think. Sitting across from uh, an old soul, an old friend, Connor Roberts. What's your middle name, Connor? Smith. Connor Smith Roberts. Why is your middle name Smith?
1: Well, <laughs> do you want the full story or the short story? I want
0: the full, <laughs> unadulterated, unabridged, extended so there version. Is,
1: like, my dad, Special feature. Great, great, grandma. Her name's Lucy Ann Smith. Her mom was Jefferson Davis's sister,
0: Jefferson Davis, like the highway guy,
1: Jefferson Davis, like
0: <laughs> Connor, you're gonna find out how abysmal my history Jefferson is, especially Davis in the
1: like 1900s. The president of the Confederate States of America,
0: the highway guy, yeah.
1: the highway,
0: Jefferson guy. Davis, highway,
1: Eisenhower's, the highway guy, the president in the 50s. No,
0: I don't mean the guy who created the highways. I mean, in New Orleans, there's Jefferson Davis. Davis There's Parkway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Parkway guy. Yeah,
1: Jeff Davis. And then... Right? Statues and history and stories and...
0: So why Smith? (laughs) Good old sedition. Why Smith? Just seems like kind of a boring name. Great -great
1: great-grandpa's name was Jedediah Smith, and he was a contemporary of Hugh Glass, the guy who... Leo DiCaprio. He... He, he portrays that character, Hugh Glass, who was an explorer out west. Which Jackson movie? Hole, Wyoming, meeting Native Americans for trapping.
0: Oh, in... West
1: in Wyoming.
0: In his first Academy Award victory. Yes. Um, it's called... The Revenant. The Revenant. Thank you, Connor. Um, okay, so I'm getting the feeling that your family is like a big history family. This doesn't just start with you, right? No, it goes back. You got a, a great-great-grandpa named Jedediah who freed the slaves.
1: Like six greats. Grandpa, no, he died in an Indian raid. And I'm not actually even descended from him. It was his brother who was a doctor who went after him. But
0: Indian or Native American? Native Americans.
1: Did I say Indians? You said Indian. And you're I, like- I usually say Native Americans, but I'm just trying to get... Move through this topic onto the next one. <laughs> there's books you can pick family. them up on Amazon or whatever the fuck. <laughs>
0: Re Google me, bitch. If you want to learn shit.
1: No, but the best part is, is a lot of these stories are very unknown. But there's relics of them. There's evidence. There's The family it, stories. Yeah, and they no one's been able to tie them together until now. Yeah, my dad kind of pushed me on that path.
0: Very cool. Do you know who William Maxwell was?
1: Uh, are you talking about, like, the Scottish, or are you talking about you?
0: I'm talking about not me. The your reason dad. the reason I'm named William Maxwell, I want to say he's a physicist, and he invented something to do with electromagnetism, a law of some sort, and he's had a huge cock.
1: <laughs> so that's why you're named after me. I
0: don't know. All right, where to even begin? Are you sucked- named after your dad? So, yeah, my father's middle name was, was William, Ronald William Fisk. And I'm actually, I'm not great, like, going, like, you, you know Jedediah. How many levels up is that? Great-wise? Uh,
1: and there goes more than that. Because uh, I only... different parts of the family, because that's only my, my dad's dad's side. Then there's my dad's mom's side. Then there's my mom's dad's side.
0: Yeah. i I'm just saying, I, I only know, like, like, I don't know my great-grandfather's name. I know my grandfather's name, both of them. And then I don't know any levels up after that. Um, Do you know any, like, about the whole, there's all these kind of programs trying to get, um, trying to show how everyone's related, kind of, basically. Then they're trying to map the genealogy of, like, the whole world, pretty much. Um, Do you know anything about those? Yeah,
1: they've done a good job of that.
0: Have you done that? I'm so like Twenty Three andme
1: Me ancestry and shit like that. I mean like I, I th- so I want to say Twenty Three and Me was commercial version of it.
0: Twenty Three and Me is a genome mapping thing, right? Yeah. And so they're doing that. They're linking that to some sort of
1: yeah, but it goes back to geography and it has to go in some database that they base all that stuff off of.
0: Huh.
1: But what I would say is yes, I I'm, I am aware of that and like there I mean the concept is Ubuntu and that we all come from Africa.
0: Ubuntu. Yeah. Ooh, that's Swahili or some shit. Mason, look that one up. Uh, Mason, spell Ubuntu. Oh, by the way, Snuggle Monsters, the audience members are called Snuggle Monsters of the Snuggle Dragon Podcast. Very cute. We're a really cute show. Um, We got our producer in the back, uh, Mr. Mason Trey. He set us up in this beautiful studio on this gorgeous New Orleans afternoon. He's going to be our stat guy. He's a running sound. Uh, How are we sounding, Mace? We we, We sounding cool? We looking Cool. Beautiful. How do you spell Ubuntu? <laughs> That's the fun part. You gotta figure it out. Um, I did take just a, take it. Take a guess.
1: U b u n t u. Yeah.
0: Oh, I, I would have gone longer, like double O's and stuff. <laughs> uh, I did just read uh, *Sapiens* Yuval Noah Harare, Yeah. Uh, which was super insightful, um, I've and never it read did it, talk but about. I definitely know what it's about. Let's keep going. Oh, uh, it's like a brief. It's like a layman's. Anthology, is that a word? Uh, anthrop- anthropological survey. Yeah. Just kind of like since humans kind of gooped into existence, what's kind of happened since then. It's, it's really a wonderful, a wonderful read. And yeah, it does talk about, so we started in East Africa, and then we like meandered out, and we hit like some Europe and some Asia, and then we kind of separated into Neanderthals and... Homo erectus, or just different actual species of what I guess you would call hominids, and then they're not positive about the ev- like the evidence and whatnot. But maybe there was like mass genocide, or maybe we like interbred or whatever. But then blah blah blah, and then we all spread out and we went to Australia, and I think the last place to go was South America through, which was really cool. I learned we went we went northeast Asia across the Bering Strait, down into, you know, Canada, North America, and then all the way down, um, getting into the south by, like, Chile and, and all that. Um, why are we talking about this?
1: Because it comes back to the idea that we all started in Africa. Ah,
0: okay. True. Ubuntu. Ubuntu. Well, we did.
1: What us do us we got? Definition. Term what?
0: meaning humanity, often translated as I am because we are, and also Whoa. humanity towards others. I am he and you are me and he is she and we are all together. Cuckoo could chew. Do good. <laughs> I guess it means. Well, here's the thing: we're all we're all the same thing, right? This is I always come back to this. Whatever's in charge of ConnorRoberts.com, whoever's running that website, cool. is is reporting to the same CEO that's running Beef.net over here. Oh yeah. Like what? Like Shiva invented you, and freaking Marduk invented me. <laughs> like, come on. Like, when it comes down to brass tacks, we all got to We all just and we're we're up on the same one thing, right? Yeah. So, why don't we all act like we're on the same team? Is it because we get too caught up in our we're meat ego sacks. and our fear and desire?
1: We're and highly we're, capable meat sacks that are easily manipulated through emotions. Yeah. And and misguided concepts of, like, civility.
0: I blame a lot of mass media as well. I think a lot of confusion comes from there. Um, Comparing yourself to a movie star every day, probably not a good idea, right? Maybe it's all about being content with what you got, taking the good with the bad, the yin with the yang, and just trying to, like, make some order out of the chaos.
1: Yeah. That's...
0: But not too much. That's
1: the only way... That's how you survive, (laughs) In a modern world,
0: that's how I'm surviving, Connor. i
1: trying, trying to find that balance.
0: Um, I I, I want to talk history. I want to do one segment called Fun Known Facts. Cool. Which is just interesting little quips that I'm sure only you know about. Um, I kind of I I think this has been explained to me before. Let's just start here. Why did World War One happen?
1: Dude, well, it's, well, you're coming on like a hundred year anniversary of World War I and you're seeing the modern world spread out of that World War II as a direct result and the dominoes fell because, you know, Europe was in a, a long time of peace for the first time in a long time after all the hundred years wars and the thirty years wars about the breakdowns of the religions and genocides. Yay for Europe. Well, they had peace and then the last war was between France and Germany and they built up this system of allies against each other. And those ally systems get triggered in the in the Balkans when Balkans. What are those? The Balkans are like the the mountains of Serbia, Montenegro, Croatia. Okay, like that southeastern mountain, very rich in greens. I think
0: I've been there actually. Yeah, I'm embarrassed. Yeah, like split in Dubrovnik.
1: Yeah, right east of there.
0: well, I feel like a son of a bitch. Continue.
1: And um, very strategically important. What they tried to assassinate. Archduke transferred, and then they actually, ended up killing him. What year is this ish? 1914. Okay. And then when the like the the Triple Alliance, like Russia, France, Germ—I mean, Russia, France, Britain—falls against Austria, Prussia, you know, Germany, and they.
0: And they were just war. at war for like. F- four years. Religious well, reasons, like economic, political, religious, or like what. Why the hell? What's going on? Is it just super fucking complex and just goes back over yeah. and over and over?
1: It's sad because, like, the gruesomeness of humans. It, like, if you ever go, like, I've been to some of these World War sites, and I was lucky enough to be there on the 100-year anniversary of some of them when I was in Europe right after graduating college.
0: Sup? LSU? The Tigers? Yeah. Go Tigers. Shout out? Whatever. Lambda Chi?
1: The brutality of humans. The willingness to take everything that we've developed and figured out and then use it to brutally murder each other. Yeah. And go at it for like extended periods of time. By the millions. And like, and then you can convince men to do that to themselves, to like watch their brothers do it with them, to go and kill people who are exactly like them. They just live on the other side of a line and speak a different language. But it's their brothers, too. Oh, man, it, it kills me.
0: It's it's crazy. I remember you, and we're going to jump around a lot, I'm sure. I'm, I'm good with that. But I remember you were, like, pretty pumped to be an American, and then you kind of just learned a lot about the history of kind of the genocide. I mean, is that what yeah. we're saying it is? Like, yeah. did Britain Britain kind of screwed up the whole Dude, world yeah, <laughs> and they, they I so I just learned coming from Australia I just learned that like about the same time that <laughs> the United States stuff was happening they were Captain Cook was zipping over southeast and like oh my god those people just just said hey everything's mine and and you're all gonna die <laughs> god bless but I want you to kind of Tell us about the history of America that's not as... Because, dude, if you're, if you're like, in <laughs> middle school and you're, like, reading about the Alamo and... I don't
1: know about that.
0: And freaking beating up General Cornwallis and stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know those are different times. Like, very different times. But you would think the annals of American history are a triumphant, wonderful thing. But, like, aren't they kind of awful and miserable and really bad? And I guess it's not like what you – I mean, come on. What are you going to put in the textbook? Like, all right, we came over, fucking murdered a bunch of people, and we took it because it's ours. I mean, I remember learning about Manifest Destiny and being like, oh, okay. I like, highlighted it. It's one of my main terms. It's like, yeah, that's fun. It's like just because we want this whole continent, then we get it, and that's fun.
1: If you were to look, if you were to look at a textbook right now in your brain and there was going to be a picture of Manifest Destiny, what would you envision?
0: Like, George Washington, like, riding an eagle, <laughs> like, just west over the Trail of Tears. <laughs>
1: exactly, yeah, oh, that's exactly what it would be, because <laughs> they're coming out of Texas.
0: <laughs> tell, tell me what you learned about American history that got you to just take a little bit more of a negative read on it.
1: Yeah, so, I'm gonna step back for a second, um... You asked a personal question and then you layered in a, like a nice foundation of history. And the the history that you were like talking about and covering with well, let's say Manifest Destiny, going back to exploration, colonization, all that. The story of America, Britain, the mm-hmm. atrocities. It's a complicated one in which I might bounce around a lot.
0: Oh baby, that's what we're here to do.
1: So uh, I have a book right there. I've wrote nothing in it prior to this. But feel free to like open it and like write down any like questions or anything like not just questions but things that like you know you know you want me to focus in on. You can slide it over to me and I can like see it and we can just keep okay. going. I mean, and of course always interrupt because you know these are you know this is your show and everything.
0: But dude, we're freeform and we're just I love down. it.
1: I love it. I like to talk. I think there's a higher truth found in talking. I think that's one of my bigger beliefs as a person.
0: I think you can't really quite articulate your thoughts until you speak them.
1: Oh yeah, and there are things that you know that I do not know, and that only gets us further when right? we bring a collective together.
0: I'm with that. I think just something super important that I heard articulated recently is like treat everyone like you have something to learn from them. Even even dumbass, you know, jabroni over here is just mouthing off. It's like if you got to sit there. What well, can I learn from this guy? Maybe it's how not to fucking act, right? Maybe <laughs> it's a negative example. But you're gonna become so much more powerful if you're just open-minded and you listen, right? Yep.
1: Yeah. Oh, b- big time! Every great teacher has always claimed to be a student. That's something to always like think about. And if your cup is full, hmm, you're gonna be get- getting tipped over real soon.
0: <laughs> oh, and- so like Joey Giglia. <laughs>
1: By the way, I am. You're radiating off of him right now. I love I, that I man <laughs> so much. Like I am so excited for him to come back. Like
0: he mentioned you specifically. Oh, like, I cannot wait to talk to this young man. I
1: love. I love Joseph. He
0: so. he's got this freaking energy that just wraps you up in a warm blanket and and it, just makes you feel. It wraps
1: everybody up. So he's there's like people, so
0: contagiously even charming.
1: Continents away, he wraps you up.
0: Unbelievable guy.
1: He's like the internet.
0: So he was on the last episode of the podcast. Nice. Him and Carl.
1: Oh, in Korea? Uh
0: huh.
1: Oh, I would love to hear that. I'm gonna go back and research that. <laughs> um so can we go back to the initial point?
0: We're back. So
1: I was patriotic in the sense that like American history is honestly propaganda. Like the stories of Paul Revere and like some of these war stories. I heard Paul Revere was bullshit. It is. He was arrested, he was caught.
0: I heard it was like was a bunch of other dudes. Caught, yeah, but his name like rhymed the best or something. Well, right? well,
1: this is the deal: is like all around the Civil War there <laughs> it was are these Gary
0: Stanowitz <laughs> and you know Dylan. There weren't o- any, there weren't any and Paul Revere
1: because <laughs> they were all Protestants.
0: Yeah, true. I'm just thinking I'm of words so that are difficult to uh, <laughs> to rhyme with. But
1: yeah. so that's propaganda around the Civil War, where the idea of uh, certain oh. songs and people. By uh, William Wadsworth Longfellow, like they're writing these patriotic.
0: Dude, I poems. memorized that whole poem when yeah, I was in fifth and grade. It's,
1: and it's like the Midnight Ride of Paul Revere. Listen,
0: my children, you shall hear the Midnight Ride of Paul Revere. Uh, no, I'm dude, just kidding. That,
1: that should be your next Halloween costume. <laughs> Paul Revere, Paul Revere with the no, wooden teeth Paul Revere. and a little it silver, like... little silver pot filled with
0: cocaine, just rolling through the city on a horse, really fast and loudly. That'll
1: the British are, the <laughs> British are coming. The British are coming.
0: the bell. Was what was up with Paul Revere? My, so that's propaganda. He was that's in the bar, right? Back. So like
1: if you if you go through American good we got we were graceful enough to have a really good you know not public but education. I am thinking doctor We all went to the same schools for a long time together and yeah great teachers. Great teachers that like different tactics, different ways, but I was definitely inspired in my language arts and social studies classes. And I learned a lot, and I carried it into college, and, like, I truly felt that there was, like, a passion, like, a truthfulness to America to, like, the idea of rebelling, like, for what you believed in.
0: Well, how do you feel about taxation without no, representation, representation across across the globe? How do you feel? Do you think that was justified, that we shouldn't have to pay taxes?
1: No, but in the end, it all came back to the colonists being very greedy Versus the mother country, which was also very greedy, but the colonists were being greedy because everything they rebelled against was because they wanted to make more money. I mean, this was a this was a system founded on slavery. Right. They were raking in profits. They wanted mm-hmm. to stop paying their piece. They wanted to pay. To, they wanted to trade with France. Right. They wanted to trade with Spain. It was closer. They didn't have to ship. And they're home. on the
0: front lines. And of it, all just this because surplus. of
1: mercantilism, and the fact that it was founded as companies under the king under charters like a government, the colonists had to report to the crown.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: in which, if you want to talk about this, going back to the original atrocity, the London Company, just like the Virginia Company, which found out Virginia in 1607, Jamestown, the London Company started the East India Trading Company, and they were able to go out to the Spice Islands, the southeast of the Philippines, India.
0: I've watched my Pirates of the Caribbean, and they are bad guys.
1: The funniest thing about that is those pirates... They, there was piracy terrible in those oceans at the foundation of the Silk Road. Because that's what it all comes back to. Silk in the riches of Asia. Silk so Silk Road, Road there's piracy all across India during the Islamic expansion when everything is falling apart. But in like the 1200s, when Genghis Khan... I was going knew- to say,
0: Silk Road is like... Long. Old school.
1: Yeah, long. But in, this, in the span of meat sack evolution, it's a blink. <laughs> And what we'll say is, is that the Silk Road was in a time of disarray and there was piracy. Well, in the 1200s under Genghis Khan, he wrangled in. What he did is he brought those pirates to the table and he said, why can't we all make money? Speaking of evolution, he massacred people to where the, their like, genetic makeup like step people disappeared. He also, 13% of the world can be traced back to his lineage. Like I'm not even that. kidding.
0: No, I heard There's, that.
1: Yeah, and his grandpa.
0: So, like... So
1: keep going. Let me just finish this story, I promise.
0: The here's what, British, Here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna, like, be blasting through, and I'm just gonna pick out silly stuff and, like, go around, but just keep fucking fireballing. I just
1: wanna, I just wanna get to this point because I feel like it's just, like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> the British show up in the name of capitalism by a company that was signed by the king, I mean, the queen, Queen Victoria, paid for by the queen, going out under this idea of free trade, but they're a state-sponsored, state-funded... Mm -hmm. exploration group and they show up in the Spice Islands to get pepper literally pepper to bring that back
0: we're talking Christopher Columbus like
1: no after this is like the 1540s so Christopher Columbus has already gone west
0: geographically I mean like Spice Islands are where are the Spice Islands what is that
1: the Philippines, oh, okay. uh, Borneo, like all off that, that eastern chain that leads to Australia. So during the Ice Age, all that water was down, and you could walk between them. That's how the like, original aborigine people get to Australia. And then when the glaciers melt, the water rises, and people go to the high spots, and that's and how you, you get just islands. Yeah. And that's how you get the people of Australia before the British show up. <laughs> have you ever been over there? No, okay. I haven't, but I will one day. I just yeah. have been waiting for like to mature my travel.
0: Smart. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, I guess if you're going to make a bet, you might as well bet that you're going to be doing it for a while, huh?
0: Yeah, definitely. Face
1: that inevitable reality with, you know, the brutal facts.
0: (laughs) Jeez Louise.
1: Um, Or was I, the British? They show up with wool, and these islanders are like, we don't want that. So you know what they did? Yes, you do. They stole it. They were the first people to bring privacy to those oceans in 300 years, 348 years.
0: The British stealing the spice. Yeah,
1: because... Under Genghis Khan, that ocean, those pirates, they all turned to just happy traders with you know, massive parties and riches just because it, there was money to be made. Mm-hmm. But they wanted in, and they didn't have anything to get. So then they got that cargo, and guess where they went? To where the French had already established and landed. And they show up with a document with Queen Victoria's signature on it, and they say,
0: oh, "This is free ours. trade, free
1: trade, capitalism, free trade. You should trade with both of us. And the French were like, get off. Fuck out of here! Like, you know how many people have died trying to get here? Wars, everything. Where now are there's we? Colo- like colonialism. This is like the 1600s. Where? India, the west coast of India. Oh, okay. okay. Or the southeastern tip. There's like these places where they settled close to each other, and these were little trading outposts that these capitalistic empires grew off of for hundreds of years, and then then we get to modern America. Then we get to the idea of mercantilism, capitalism, this idea of Free trade. It was founded on piracy in a state-sponsored group. Right. It is the, the biggest f- hypocritical endeavor in the world. But it has the potential to serve everyone. Like under Genghis Khan, when everyone says we can have enough, the balance, the way, the middle way. But no, you can't. You got to have everything and you got to screw everyone over in the middle. Even enough to go to, to trenches and kill each other over
0: it. Yeah. it
1: dude, it, uh, humans are wild.
0: Yeah, my brother said a cool thing the other day. It's like, one human being, it's like a beautiful, wonderful thing, right? But like, five human beings together is like, the worst thing ever, kind of?
1: Depends on those five people.
0: <laughs> yeah, unfortunately so. Well, yeah, I was gonna ask you about like, kind of fun conspiracy theories you yeah, think Yeah, there's of, a
1: bunch in there. But
0: like, you kind of seem like America was founded, you think capitalism, and as a in and of itself as a conspiracy?
1: No, because it was capitalism started as itself as a joke, but then Adam Smith in like 1776 in the Enlightenment in Europe in the late 1700s pasted this idealism on it where these founding guys who had all this money in the colonies on this beautiful land with this system, they were able to sit there and think about all this stuff and read these books and have their minds blown. They had hemp farms, I'm just saying. Sup? And in the end... They had these notions, but there's unspoken people behind the American Revolution. It's all about going west over the proclamation line of 1763. It's about George Washington's land uh, that he invested in that was west of this line that got set up after the French and Indian War, which Mm -hmm. was between the French and their native allies and the British and their native allies over North America. Kick the French out. Where do they go? Louisiana. New Orleans. Acadians. The 1760s.
0: Son of a bitch. It's all
1: connected. And when you watch the dominoes fall, you realize each one's shittier than the one before. But what you say is if you know about it and you realize it, why not, you know, clean a domino off and, like, try and do, you know, set a chain reaction of good dominoes?
0: Because the powerful are interested in remaining powerful, right? Only themselves. And these misguided notions founded
1: in. Autocracy and hypocrisy.
0: You think there will always be kind of like the three-class system?
1: There's way more than three.
0: What do you mean? I'm thinking upper, middle, and lower. Uh, Obviously, it's yeah. generalizing, but...
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, it's always been around. I just read Even 1984. Even oh, wow. George
0: Orwell. That was a freaking... Give me some reactions on that. <sighs> it was... It was surprisingly pessimistic at the end. Like I was oh, expecting, geez. just because I'm a freaking. It's a glimmer of hope. He's right there, dude. I'm oh just kind of like God. a hopeless optimist, kind of when it comes down to it. And I, I, am just reading that book, and it's like, okay, they're gonna stick it to the man. And I mean, so well written, right? Just unbelievable. So specific and detailed. He, I don't really, I didn't really love Animal Farm, but I was pretty young, so I might have to get it another read. Get but, another look, but. They just, oh, he just got me, and then he just, your boy gets thrown in prison, and I mean, spoiler alert, this has been out for, since long before 1984, um, he just gets tortured and tortured and tortured, and then he gives up Bay, and then,
1: he realizes Bay was in it the whole time.
0: And and it's just like, I mean, you read that manifesto where it's like, this is how history is working, I was like, again, my knowledge of history, unfortunately, is so effed, but I was like, is this like what it is? I mean, like he in that he discusses all the like upper, middle, lower class stuff and this is how it's always been, this is how it's gonna go. Yeah. And it's just Pearls. super demoralizing and depressing.
1: It's true. To- I mean, and it's the, the problem is it's not that far out of reality, especially when you think of George Orwell writing in the aftermath of World War One, fighting in the Spanish Civil War, like literally people who he believes are true freedom fighters for just their way of life, Catalonia, who they're being suppressed right now by the Spanish government as well. Not even 100 years later, the same exact scenario, speaking of George Orwell, either way, he's there fighting with them, and he believes that they're right, but he sees his government supported by other, you know, fascist-dominant you know, governments, and he's just, it kills him. He almost dies, he gets shot in the neck, he leaves, he lives. George Orwell? And he sees that in in the collapsing of World War II, he writes 1984, and a lot of his book, and also Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451, a lot of that is so relevant now more than ever. Mm -hmm. And it is just mind-blowing how they felt back then that it was that close. And here we are, and it's it's even... it's on such a greater scale now than they ever could have imagined. They're like, we're gonna burn books. Yeah, the internet! Oh my god, the internet. What do you mean? So in Fahrenheit 451, they think that books are right. the way to like to, for people to find out information. So they're burning the books. Right. Propaganda, uh, information suppression, which is happening, which is happening in America today.
0: Information suppression.
1: Oh yeah. Even even like reputable news sources, are still funneling everything through like multiple select uh, like conglomerate organizations. That it's is the true. Sinclair broadcast group, like they're like a right wing pundit mouthpiece where like the local news people all read the same commentary. Look that up on YouTube it will blow your mind how scary it is.
0: Just how much people are how many people are affected by
1: one, two, three, four, five groups of people.
0: Yeah.
1: How many people? Millions. We're I mean, so easily manipul- manipulated.
0: And kind of well, the sketchy thing about the news, like, are you a fan of the news? Like, do you?
1: I have uh, ways of reading the news and staying up to date, very up to date, especially with our constitutional crisis going on in elections. But I don't like tar-
0: how do you watch TV. how do you even stay informed when it's like if you turn on whatever CNN or Fox, I don't you're turn just on getting TV. totally go to the internet's
1: internet's. So it's you know, Washington Post. New York Times, NPR, mm-hmm. and then the car, I listen to NPR. Funny story, I called into NPR today, and I got on the on the air.
0: Wow, two radio shows in one yeah, day. Yeah, dude,
1: and I've never called in before, and it, it all goes back to my cousin telling me a story yesterday about <laughs> his friend calling in on a road trip, and then he played it for me, and I laughed my ass off, and I was listening to this story today after coming back from Ophelia with the dog park always drive around a dryer off so we drive by the lakefront go over the bridge twice and then go over the Wisner Bridge uh, and she just literally has her head out the window and she this
0: just, is his dog not uh, his girlfriend oh yeah no no it's my <laughs> it's my 100
1: pound hairy beautiful girlfriend dog daughter I'm such a dag, dad dog dog dad dad <laughs> dog
0: dad
1: dog Could where you, was I going? you I were know. on NPR oh, yeah, today. so I called in I decided to call in and like when you talk to the people before, uh, it's like you're a little bit more composed and we're like, oh my god, and they're like, okay, we're about to put you on, like, oh 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 we I was like, oh, hey, Robert.
0: <laughs> Wait, tell me about that like screening process. Do you, you have to ask your question no, to the people She just calls in, she's
1: like, Hey, uh, like, like like what's your question? What's your commentary? Like, where what's your name? Where are you from? You say it and then like, they're like okay, like we like we're, we're gonna put you on. Like just stay on the line. Uh, don't say good morning or anything to say hello tom cuz we're going to play this at different times uh-huh. um just say hello robert and then say what you're going to say and then like just go you know go with it and they definitely listen to you and they listen to other people and they decide who goes on you get pre-screened huh. and and like by the time that my call was finished and I had hung up and I realized that I had hung up cuz they kind of c- cut me off uh, <laughs> i was still hearing the tail end of it on the radio, yeah, and it's actually hyper relevant to everything we're talking about. Wait, right now. Wait, doesn't
0: that mess up the feed when you have the microphone? Yeah, but when, and when the I'm speaker. talking, I
1: t- when I'm talking, I turned off the radio. So then I hung up and I realized I'm like, oh shit! And then I turn on the radio and then I hear my voice. A couple and I'm like, seconds delayed. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah. Wait. So, they, so what did you? What it. were you trying to talk about on NPR today?
1: So there's this guy. His name's Robert Siegel. He's awesome. He does On Point, and they're talking Great with voice. with a yeah with a Yale. He's a legend with a Yale history professor who just came out with a book who is killing it very very smart guy and i was just listening to and i was agreeing with it and then then he's like after talking about russia and how they're like meddling in you know europe and they're trying to create a weaker state because putin yesterday said that he wasn't trying to support far like radical right groups or he wasn't trying to destabilize the eu which is total bullshit (laughs) he destabilized america he is literally. You gotta full give us some inside. midnight right s- now.
0: You gotta give us some inside scoop about the the Trump Putin stuff.
1: That is that. So that is so infinitesimal. It's like literally clouding the damage that he's doing to like the way that Americans think, to the way that Westerners think about their democracy. He's literally got me riled up. Versus yeah, look at you, you're sweating. Who, uh, I'm not sweating.
0: <laughs> no, I'm being. I can say whatever I want because no one can see it. Connor, your shirt's coming off, dude. <laughs>
1: I thought, I thought your shirt would be off just saying that. It
0: normally is, but um, I wanted to wear my Lambda Kai shirt. Uh, you didn't give me a compliment on it yet. but
1: they didn't even notice it because it's
0: like, really faded. A little like, Tanner Ash Beach Bash.
1: Nice. I, I was looking at my clothes yesterday, and at the very bottom of my drawer is the first one, the dark blue. So,
0: nice. Oh, Watermelon Bust. No, the, the Tanner Ash Beach
1: Bash, the blue one. Did you design that, or did, was that John? No, that was John.
0: John did the first one, which was honestly better shirt.
1: Yeah, but I have that. Like that was like the one I didn't give up, and everything else he gave to Cordlin.
0: All right, there you go. God, there's so much, there's <laughs> so much to get into. <laughs> I want to know. You you were talking about before the education system and how we don't want smarter people, or like we don't want to improve it in our like children's education and stuff today. We're just pumping out factory kids. I mean, what, what the hell's going on? Are we're just, are just the people in power are just trying to remain in power, so they want other people to become stupid? It does seem like the education system is kind of in America pushed aside, and like teachers don't get paid nothing. There doesn't seem to be much incent- incentive, <laughs> incentive, um, which sucks because shouldn't like the really smart, gifted people be teaching our youth?
1: Should be like writing these points <laughs> down so that when I talk <laughs> about it. Yeah, that's like it's in the schools that like the you charter snaps. schools snaps is like to show you have appreciation when people are talking, but you're just like silently recognizing it. Okay. So, that's ghetto. I like snappies. It's that. cool. So, Not so like, I, if I could be <laughs> you know <what> I could, <laughs> like, If I could be writing it down, hip-hop. like I could be it's like coming hip-hop. back to <laughs> So Finish your last your last point.
0: I, no point. It's a question about Please comment on the nature of education in America today.
1: So America at its foundation was very rural. And your education was rural-based, like regionally-based, mostly survival. Then now let's fast forward through it. World War II, modernization, urbanization, integrations, desegregation – all of those shins.
0: What the hell was that Could you
1: keep up with those shins? Uh, yes. Okay. I got two right here.
0: <laughs> that was lame. That was so
1: lame. So, uh, the schools in America went towards state-based, funded, with, like, data-based regionally on the amount of funding they got from the federal government versus what they could do. So, they were teaching, um... Uh, they weren't teaching evolution; they were teaching creationism. They under they didn't teach second languages, and this is in the fifties and sixties when the education is restarting in the modern times.
0: They were teaching creationism in the sixties. They teach it today. No, in
1: Louisiana, all over the South, yes, Texas, where all the te- where all like the textbooks are me versus
0: evolution. They don't talk about it. Yes. Evolution.
1: Kentucky just passed a thing that says they don't have to teach evolution. Oh, my God. So, dude, the things that we were talking about earlier, I would say, like, 40 to 50% of America would say outright they don't believe in that because they were founded by Protestants. Dude, that's why I corrected you earlier about saying the Jews. Like, they weren't here. It was Protestants, which they were so radical. They got kicked out of Europe, which Europe was so radical. They had fought for hundreds of years about it. (laughs) And everything we're talking about is so connected, just saying.
0: Yeah. We'll keep going. Because
1: we were talking about those wars. And here it is. So we're in the fifties, sixties. Germany, there's a student revolution in the sixties. They decide that they're going to redo their education system. They're going to make sure that everything is systematic. Why? Student
0: because they had World it's, War II. It's
1: free. Well, it's they they went towards society. They said it's going to be free, public funded. Universities, the whole deal, but they, you know, they're working with 60 million people rebuilding. It's something to invest time in. It's a way to invest in your community.
0: It's probably the best way to get your nation to like rise up. Yeah,
1: that's why they're leading the world right now. America took a step back.
0: Germany's leading the world?
1: Yeah, I would say without a doubt.
0: Damn.
1: So, yeah, it's bad. And. There's more counselors in schools. It's free. There's food. It's healthy. They recycle. They teach them like how to be a citizen. They teach them how to be a, a person in society. You take tests along the way that you either go into a trade or you go into high school and then you go to college. Like it is a societal based. You you learn other languages. There's cultural exchange programs. You choose your path. It is a it's the way that education should be. Where America on the other hand decides we're gonna have it broken down by the kid by the numbers gets a certain amount of money from the federal versus the state comes from these taxes this and that it's going to be based on the state legislator and the school board and they take their piece and they build the schools and the and it just filters down well
0: why would we why did we, we shift the path why did we do that what well, did who we our say?
1: politicians were we have more people we have a more rural community mm-hmm. and because of that rural community you're able to like manipulate it more, and then you, you, know, you, you, you stick to this system that during like, the crazy urbanization of the 70s and the 80s where these urban centers blew up, the schools fell in disrepair, there was no money put in, but all at the same time, America's all over the world shooting million dollar bombs at people to kill them, but our kids can't even go to a school, they can't even eat, and this isn't new. This has been around for like 30, 40 years, and it's still happening today. In, in Baltimore, in Atlanta, New Orleans, New York, like some places are worse than others. Detroit, ah! And then you look who, our dep- you know, who the head of the Department of Education is, and you want to cry as an educator. Jeez.
0: As a person who cares. As who a is citizen. It? Who is this son of a bitch?
1: The man. Oh, Betsy DeVos.
0: Oh, it's a daughter of a bitch.
1: The brother of Satan.
0: <laughs> Wait, it's a guy named
1: Eric, Betsy. No, so Eric Prince is the head of Blackwater, which was the people who committed that war crime in the in Iraq, where like they killed a bunch of like civilians and stuff. Okay. And he got off. Still runs mercenary groups. Was trying to set up in the Setchel Islands. Was trying to set up a back channel between Russia and Trump. Commander asshole, Eric Prince. He's the worst. That's his sister. Oh boy! Oh, he's on the RNC finance committee. Da, 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 da. Oh Dude, it's so God. bad. It's so bad. It's, it's so, so bad. bad.
0: We said earlier, I don't see this ending well. It,
1: me neither, and that's why I'm right up. You said I'm sweating, but no. But like, I'm generally like concerned when you I see the pieces, when you see the shit dominoes lined up, ready to fall. As this cycle that keeps repeating itself as a person who knows the humanities, you run away. Right, you run the mountains, but then you're not helping.
0: <laughs> exactly. don't you do you sometimes get to the point where it's like, everyone else kinda sucks? Uh, Enough times to where to where, God, can I just go do my own thing? But it's like, no, don't we have to don't we have to fight to help? I struggle with that every day. Can't, can we not just Disappear into our our own psyches and just try to enjoy our lives. Don't we have to? do we have a duty to make the world a better place?
1: That's a tough question to answer, there, <laughs> friend. I mean, that's a struggle I, I I deal with. Like as I work as like a you know civil servant in the education system, like it's it's hard to stay positive and work through it through all those struggles. Yeah. Through realizing all this, but then it's like you tell yourself you know, you want to help make a change, but is it, is it like, are you really making a change? Exactly. It's it's, it's trees that you, you plant the seeds for trees that you don't get to see grow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, nah, we got to change some shit soon.
0: (laughs) Or what? That's what I want to ask. Like, where do you see, are we heading for just the apocalypse? I mean, do you, do you kind of have a, a guess as to what the first big next domino is going to be, like the first big implosion, or I mean, as someone who has meticulously studied history and seen the trends, I mean, is Rome going to burn? Like, I mean, USA, what what the heck's going to happen with the three point three hundred million people trying to trying to
1: closer to four? We're like three seventy five in the last census.
0: And we're all just trying to play by the same rules and live under the same But America's birth rate's going down. I've heard some interesting things about population. Like, there's like two different theories, and they're completely opposite. One is that, obviously, just because it's a numbers game and exponential, you have more and more and more and more and more. But then, apparently, some populations are decreasing.
1: Well, like Japan has been decreasing since the 80s. America has just flipped in, like, the last census. This is coming out recently. But yeah, but like generally the world is increasing exponentially, but certain pockets of it are depending based on economy, based on the future, based on the, the amount, of the, the, the their quality of education, their services, their health system, their infant mortality rates, which America has a high one.
0: Well, now we do, we really do. Like not including abortions.
1: Abortions aren't in those statistics. A, I'm talking mothers rate? dying giving birth in America because they can't pay for it. Jeez, Sorry, I can Back I to the... So, but a d- disclaimer, like, we might want to crop this back to the front. I say things like I know it's right. I just truly believe in it. I'm not... I'm not an asshole. I just, like, I just believe <laughs> it. I really do.
0: You have nothing to apologize it d- for. It's
1: not right or wrong.
0: You have a, a refreshing intensity and concern for the well-being of what the fuck's going on. Yeah. More so than most people I've ever yeah, met. Unfortunately. Um, I want to... Do you have a a guess for where what the first kind of implosion is going to yeah. be
1: okay so great call I, I, I was thinking like four things
0: one we're going to elect a reality TV star so word.
1: yeah <laughs> that's that's in there that's like the, the the wild card that's just like ushering it he's more of a catalyst in the thing that's like making it happen right. but if I was going to say four things I would say like a serious natural disaster that like knocks out like, the grid for a region and it, like, goes to, like, real chaos for a little while. Something like that. Something Uh serious. Two, uh, a type of bacteria or virus, like, is uh, resistant to antibiotics. Mm -hmm. Like, an infection that spreads and it, like, just kills a lot of people. It's, like, really close to happening. Um, Three, uh, war. Because, you know, humans love to kill each other. Five,
0: You skipped four, but that's
1: okay. (laughs) Four, uh, dang, you know. And I don't think that any of these are possibilities, but, like, it's, I mean, there's different levels of it based on what's going on, and you don't want any of it to happen, but you're asking me, like, what could it be, and all these aren't that far away or out of the realm of possibilities, and that's the scariest thing.
0: Do you think there's, like, a hubris involved in that? You think that's coming to us because of some sort of transcendental justice or do you think Ooh, Yeah. do you think like that's kind of just how the universe works
1: yeah and there there are forces here that like I keep you know, we keep saying like humans and the fact that we're realizing our existence and we've come out of that Neanderthal like that phase we're realizing it and the truth is is it's such a blink that like these things are going to happen on like a giant scale that you know we just get wiped out
0: like, yeah, and we have another, like, three and a half billion years of sun left, right? Yeah, well, so, that's like, inevitable, but so, that's
1: not, you know... The only thing that causes extinction-like events to species are natural events, cosmic phenomena, massive climate change, uh, geological disasters, planetary events, whatever. Or, or invasions.
0: Or the rising of a certain species that destroys... Which...
1: Amer- Thousands so,
0: of the other ones on yeah. the planet. <laughs> Is
1: that America? Which human human beings, Homo sapiens, are one of the only species that actually cause the extinction of completely different species. Yeah. So like we kill birds, animals on the sea, insects. Like we kill everything with our lives. But whereas like whales, even though orcas are like ext- ext- extremely incredibly gifted hunters, they don't cause the extinction right. of their prey, or they don't affect other hunters or land animals, but we're killing massive amounts of species.
0: We're kind of the worst everywhere. thing that's ever oh, happened the We're the worst. The we're planet. the virus. I and the Earth
1: is going to kill us off of its back.
0: In Sapiens, a really interesting part was talking about how because of the rapid ascent of humans to the top of the food chain, that's why everything's out of whack. It's like all ecosystems for, for the history of Earth are just regulated and balanced. Like there's sharks, and then there's freaking tunas, and then whatever, on, on and on down the scales to, like, a little kelp and shit. And it's like, imagine if, if like, the swordfish, who were, like, let's say level 3 out of 9, jumped to level 16, and they just start fucking... And so, like, the whole reason everything's messed up is because we just got real smart, and we got really good at communicating and tools and, and, tools and grouping.
1: Our cerebral cortex.
0: So we've just... Because we've jumped up so quickly, that's why the whole world's like, ah, and just everything's dying. And it's like evolution. And, but you could argue that, like, humans evolved, right? But just the normal process was so much more gradual and regulated until we came along.
1: It was self-regulating. Populations would rise and fall based on the amount of prey there was. So if, if right. the tuna and the sharks got too good at what they were doing, they had a lot of babies at some point there would be a decrease in their prey and as a decrease in the prey it then leads to a decrease in the amount of sharks that are, and it takes you know decades and hundreds of years and even thousands and millions of years for this to happen on a you know, planetary scale on a planetary scale but it's 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 wild to think that humans are going to you know. Destroy the planet?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: but while well, at the same time not realizing this is the, the spaceship that we're floating in space on. Like, why are we going to like, pl- like, put holes in our boat?
0: <laughs> That's a great analogy. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we've we'll been putting
1: to. holes for a while. Yeah.
0: We'll have to colonize other planets eventually, I guess. Um, but before we get to outer space, you, God, there's just so much we can <laughs> so go much. on showing tangents. Um, I wanted to ask about the information suppressing that you think's going on. I don't remember what you said that you said that's going on today yeah. from the top down. And can you give me an example of that? Yeah. I guess the freaking n- not allowing evolution to be taught in schools is kind of a indirect way to do that.
1: So so as an American do you think that there's like true freedom of
0: speech? Do I think it's important? Or do I think it exists? Do you think
1: it, do you think it exists?
0: I mean, sometimes not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes I people are it's supposed Literally. to, right? It's like our fir- the foundation upon which not just our civilization but like western civilization is supposed to be built on, right? It's like the individual's freedom of, like you have to have that. You, I think you it's. You have to
1: listen to what the other person says.
0: Otherwise, you you everything's going to be screwed up. But I do think there's I mean, people are won't be allowed to talk in certain areas and, like, with all the political correctness stuff coming in, and it's like you can't exactly say whatever you want. I don't know. Why do you no, ask? No,
1: you're right. So I, I ask because uh, it's one of those things that as an American, you think that, you like, you hold that to be true. You're like, oh, yeah, there is freedom of speech in America, and there is. But based on what you hear and the way you hear it, And the way that modern mass media is able to hit so many people all at once, Mm -hmm. it means that these words and these, these phrases and these ideas are so much more important than they've ever been. Buzzwords and titles and sensational headlines. And then you get to free, unbiased media reporting, which is the point of journalism. But now we truly believe there to be the media on the right and the media on the left. That's never what it was supposed to be.
0: Mm-hmm. It's supposed
1: to be fact checking. It's supposed to be unbiasedly saying, listening to what people are saying and going and checking to see if that's true. And then if it's not, they call you out on it, and boom, the people self-regulate. Right. The people aren't self-regulating, and yeah. that's and that's why the government's out of control. That's why these, and this has been happening for the past fifty years. The reason why I think there's information suppression is that the way it's spun and the us and the them and the divisions Identity and the, it's politics. coming from the left and it's tailored and it, it gets cropped and spun by all these different people. And there's, I think it's, it's, there are really great journalists, but it's so divisive and like you don't hear the real news. You don't, mm-hmm. you hear the, the things that they want you to hear, like, or, or people create controversies to make you feel a certain way. Like, Rudy Giuliani, Donald Trump tweeting and saying these crazy things about long, hard, fast beliefs in America. Like, they're, just, they're yelling untruths. Right. And people are hearing it and they're choosing to believe it based on who the person is saying it. But the people who are saying it are morally bankrupt, incompetent.
0: With interest of stockholders. Yeah, and they're puppets. Entertain. And they're puppets. It's e- egotists. Like it should be so obvious. Sycophants. It should be so obvious to everyone how how thin this veil is and how ridiculous everything is. But everyone's like, no, this is real life. This oh, yeah. is kind of how it is. and And that's my news. And that's what's going on in the world. It's like, I mean, these news programs... <laughs> they they have they have to have good ratings. They oh, have dude. to. I mean, it's capitalism.
1: They keep that curtain up real high. <laughs>
0: it's like Ro- Joe Rogan always talks about this. Man. My Lord and Savior, Lord Rogan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he <he's>, he asks <laughs> like, are these people who are telling the news to you? Do they love you? Like, do they want what's best for you? Do they really want to give you no. like information, or do they just have a job that's part of a, a higher structure of? Fucking capitalism, man. Yeah, it's a
1: mouthpiece.
0: Unreal. Let's transition to kind of just a little more local. Because I, I do want to get your thoughts on how how the hell do we fix this or do we <laughs> just jump ship? It's my struggle. What's, what's going on in New Orleans? So New Orleans is a special story. Because New
1: Orleans actually takes up a lot of these pieces of what you've talked about a failing infrastructure, a failing uh, education system, a failing healthcare infrastructure, yeah, really with a bad. very urban population, with a very important role as an international trade, a legendary city that wars were fought over. And here it is in this post-World War II race to modernization and the desegregation of schools and everything. There's an urban flight to the North Shore to Metairie, all the way out to Kenner, literally building on swamps, cutting down cypress forests to like leave certain parts of the city because of desegregation of schools and things like that. The biggest mistake that happened in New Orleans happened right before the civil rights movement. They're building the infrastructure of across the country, the Eisenhower highway system, the connect, real highway, connections. Yeah. And they're trying to decide where they're going to put I-10 in New Orleans. Do they put it along the levee, where it's high water? Do they put it along the lake, where it's high land? Where it can be above, where the water can rise underneath it? Think about how it goes through the city. It comes right through the middle of Canterbury, because it was a cypress swamp. And it makes that dip. That dip that it makes goes right down above a canal that was there, and then it goes It tips right on to Claiborne. Mm -hmm. Think of where Claiborne is. Claiborne runs right along the back of the Treme, which butts up against the French Quarter. And it is the break between Gentilly, Old Gentilly, and going all the way to uh, Bayou St. John, Mm -hmm. St. Bernard area. Gentilly, high land, old parts of the city, a very important part of the city. That was a green space bigger than St. Charles, lined with ancient oak trees. Barbecue, second lines, the like the Mardi Gras Indians, all of that was made in the Claiborne green space. And they cut the trees down, and they pass it in in 1963. I-10. They cut trees down that were like as older as the city itself. The center of not even just African-American culture like Heritage, white people lived there in the Treme. It was where people would walk out of the CBD, away from the hospitals, and they would pass through Claiborne, where on both sides it was all local shops. Because Mm -hmm. you know what ends at the end of Claiborne right there? The railroad system, the Amtrak line. Right where the train ended right there, there was a giant refrigeration building, and that's where all the meat came in. And the meat was then sold to all the local shops, and then people went to different shops based on the cuts of meat they had, based on who they had, like what neighborhood they were in. And you walk down and you look at pictures of this, and it's literally family-owned businesses up and down the thing, and it's white and black people talking to each other. It's, uh, you know, Cajun people, like the, the mixture, New Orleans, what it was, in this big open space interacting every day in open space in an urban city and they decided that that's where the best place to go was. Who was making decisions? The New Orleans City Council. Where do they go to school? Hmm, I wonder, what was the color of their skin? Very interesting. Or Could they be from upriver? Oh, was there a plan to go along the river as part of a brand new port design with urban rail lines and uh, levee protection and total redevelopment? Oh, no, of course not.
0: So I mean, what were they trying to do with the interstate? So you think the interstate was the biggest mistake? Yeah, and you know, to plunge that anymore. area
1: into abject poverty, and because then because of and, the interstate. Well, because. yeah. So you cut down that green space and you put up an elevated interstate, and it ruins those businesses. That was a spot mm. of heritage, of culture, a green space.
0: Well, how do you? So this is the federal government sticking it's no it's it's the local
1: government. government it's the local state government deciding to do this right before black people can really vote in the south
0: hmm.
1: cutting down their part of new orleans to do th- there was like multiple options of the way it could be done and if you look at the options and you look at the cost on a city this you can stem so many of our issues to the where they built this interstate hmm Think about it. Why would you cut down trees and like put it in the, one of the nicest parts of the most culturally rich parts of the city? It's because who lives there? Mostly black people. Hmm. And the other options are where mostly white people live. And you can argue that that's pushing it a little bit too far. Either way, it was a dumb idea.
0: How do you know all this stuff? You're so freaking smart and research. Well, it, well, it's
1: there. I mean, if, if you stand in a spot and you look around and you say, why is that there? What was there before this was here? Like, it's layers, and it's, mm-hmm. it, it tells a story. And if you look at it, and you look at it from a perspective of it happened, so I'm going to come at it from, like, a completely neutral perspective. Look at the times. Think about what's going on. It helps to know all these random tidbits and bullshit like I know what's going on <laughs> around the world and how it all connects. But it gives you a way to look at something and be like, if it had been done differently, if there was an Ubuntu message behind the i10 system, if it was built for the community rather than for the few, mm-hmm. we, could have, we could be a special place. And I don't think it's too late.
0: Okay. I was about to say. That's yeah, as doom and gloom as
1: I've sounded, it's because it's that bad. I haven't talked about anything about the future, everything I've said has been basically about the past. I just want to call that out.
0: Yeah, you're a history buff, man. So, fast forward to today, you are working in a charter school teaching kindergarten through eighth grade. No,
1: I teach fifth and sixth social studies.
0: Fifth and sixth social studies, what the hell's that like? Is that terrifying? It's hard to do. I
1: freaking bet because I have to teach these histories. And I have to streamline and I have to teach the kids who have trouble reading and have trauma at home. And that's another story. And and let me start out with this, you know, going back to like my experience with, in an education system and with all these problems going on, all these things like I was living it. Our CEO of the company where I worked um, said, our mission exceeds our resources. And he could not put it in a more succinct mm-hmm. way, in a better way. Because we're trying to serve the maximum amount of traumatized urban youth with like the least amount of resources and humans possible like cutting edges and everything and it's very hard to do Mm
0: -hmm.
1: once again quantity over quality where like I'm a firm believer in quality over quantity and like it's it's hard to go in to do something where you fail every day especially as, like, a successful person. You know, I, ex- like, I learned from failure, but, like, to fail as much as i failed over the past three years got to get a real- couple wins in the column. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and there are, dude, there are kids that are so smart, so special. I, I You know, I think there are trees that I've planted that I'm not going to, you know, mm-hmm. get to see them grow, but, like... That's wonderful. I think that, you know, you struggle in a classroom, but there's so much more systematic, so many more systematic issues and realities that are hard to do um you know a vietnam prisoner of war he lived through it saying you know the inevitable reality which is death the brutal facts are there in your face that you're not gonna make it home but you have the unwavering faith that no matter what in the end it'll be all right and you can somehow make it through anything and that, that's crazy. that's a crazy badass like set yourself on fire buddhist type of shit but like well, it's
0: almost the only way to go it the is the other way is like all right nothing matters give and up all, and life's a bitch then you die, die. so so like that's why i think there's like meaning in god in in the world because it's like because oh. you can decide to to make that and go for that happiness and and what makes you great right
1: yeah so how do you get everyone else to join in with you on that <laughs>
0: You demand it from on high, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <sighs> no, man. I I always go back to Dunbar's number of where we're just monkeys and we're not supposed, we're not built to be in companies of more than 150. Yeah, so th- 400 million. Uh, good luck. And that's when I start looking at airplane tickets to the mountains, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. But I want to hear some stories about teaching in New Orleans and and these kids like. Any any real specific touching stories or really freaking difficult stories or
1: Oh the entire spectrum.
0: Yeah. Old oh, I mean. The
1: entire spectrum. Like they're kids that are so special. I could I could go on down the line with the names but I'm not going to no, just for no, privacy. No, sake. no names, no names But like names, to be honest. No matter what they've been through, in utero, as well as in their lives, what they've seen.
0: In utero, like, mom's drinking while you're pregnant. Yeah, well,
1: so this, like, my students these past two years, they would have been conceived directly after Hurricane Katrina. So, like, the sperm and the egg mated in, like, very early 2006. And they were born within that frame. Whoa. And not knowing they're pregnant, displaced, stressed, dehydrated, not necessarily born at the convention center, which one of my students was, but just all the conditions for a pregnancy are terrible. And mm-hmm. all that gets transferred on the baby, and then that baby is born into a home with no father, an unhealthy diet, not the right nutrients, and not to mention drugs, and like every crazy thing you can imagine. But then there are kids who are loved and taken care of and have beautiful grandparents and everything you can need, and they're healthy and they're amazing. Mm-hmm. But to have that student sitting next to like a literal crack baby is unreal. And to know it. But that deep down belief that in the right scenario, in the right space, in the right motivation, it can learn side by side. Mm-hmm. But in New Orleans with these urban populations, it's saturated. Like it's too much of this trauma-infused urban lifestyle. You know, you need differences. You need different demographics and skin colors and everything to, like, get along. So, like, the idea of, you know, Catholic schools and private schools as a means of escape from, from you know, it, it's...
0: Yeah. I mean, don't you think there should be different systems in place for different types of minds? Like, don't you think... Yeah, of course. I, I just... It just seems tricky to have the smartest kid in the cl- in that class learning next to the least intelligent kid in that class or or, or at least what, what, learning in the same way
1: and yeah you're right and that comes back to the idea that like i'm in a r- classroom of 30 to 32 students by myself trying to teach social studies I writing and vocabulary and these Imagine. crazy concepts one student is intellectually mild can't read one student can kind of read one student can barely write one student has no idea where they are right now and then there's the kid who's incredibly wicked smart who like can do 10th grade material and knows all this shit but and like <laughs> how do you channel them like how do you keep it how do you keep it all together and it's you tell me how the, do you I, I tried really hard and i failed you gotta be we sh- all failed
0: whoa you fail what do you
1: mean but you go in every day and you do it i see i mean the scores aren't great there's not learning all the time. There's disrespect, there's unstructured moments, but like I try and do do to do a good job of social a freaking, studies.
0: like rock like Well that, that's the problem is that they
1: don't all respond well to that. So like mm. I like so confession, let's get personal. Uh I taught for 3 years at this school. I cared a lot, Care a lot about the kids. I cared too much. Uh I decided due to personal reasons and health reasons that I wasn't going to go back next year. Told them. Uh so that is a transition that I'm going through right now. I'm gonna be fine, but I didn't give up on the kids. I didn't give up on the system. I didn't give up on the administration or anything like that. It's it's this idea that all of, like knowing all the things that we're talking about and then going in every day and giving your literally from seven and like from the moment you wake up until you get off at five, six, seven, eight, nine o'clock depending on what's going on. All you did all day was herd kids or prepare to herd kids. Nothing for yourself. No breaks, barely any like time to yourself to zen to be a, in the right mind space to teach and be sensitive to to students instead of just like mash churning out kids and having to be a rock and having to be disciplined because we got to get in we got to get this done because tomorrow we got to do that because the next day we got to do that because the test is coming and it it's just a system that is not sustainable and it grinds teachers down Ugh. and the kids just see this revolving door and it's hard to, to keep up Fuck. and like I, I just like I always thought I would do four years before figuring something else out and, like because I was traveling and around in the world but I being away from the world I, I miss it and I realized that like I want to come back to the community I want to help how do I what is my gift that I could help with education so I went into you know the worst system in the in arguably in the country Like whereas if you you know I could teach at Jesuit I could have got a job at Christian Brothers if I wanted to if I worked hard enough at it, but I didn't you know I went and I you know to do service and it amazing moments Changed me some good some bad but like in the end it was it was too much with some personal things that are going on and I got to take a year off to like get back to who I am Mm -hmm. to really think about it so uh, that's next steps. But I'm not teaching next year, so that's that's the news. He
0: who serves himself well best serves others. That I mean, that moment you're talking about, like yeah. the zen when I get home, the ability to kind of just.
1: Yeah, but as a us. teacher, you don't zen when you get home. You have to like Make try and forget, clam. so you drink or you smoke or you eat, and you just fall into like really self-destructive cycles. Yeah, it's like you leave before the sun comes up, and you get home and it's dark. It's rough and then that whole time in between your inside under fluorescent lights as an outdoorsman I like it rips my soul god dude
0: what what was the most important thing you think you left on those kids was it social studies or was it like did you I mean because you're still teaching them how to be men and citizens I, I
1: taught them the real history I taught them about Columbus killing people and like disease and the real truth and i tried to teach them true history did you have
0: to stray away from curricula at all no or? i helped write the curriculum wow okay you i know.
1: mean we, we had standards but i helped like get it to uh a way that it it you know it grabs kids attention because they're like why do i give a shit about pocahontas i don't care it's a disney movie Bitch, what do i care about that, john that the, smith well exactly like that's i have students that say shit like that like why do i don't care about it? like what the you know
0: Oh, King Henry's ass.
1: Yeah, so, but you're trying to teach them all these layered ideas and vocab and antiquated terms in these people, and why do I give a shit about these white people that made us slaves? Like, I hate all this shit, but then I'm like, yeah, but if you look at it and you learn about it and you look at it from a perspective, mm-hmm. that's what I feel like I taught them the most, perspective. Try to get a lens, to view the you lens. You can change with- it. You can learn from it, and you mm-hmm. can change the future. You can take that, and it can equip you to do something different, to learn from that mistake. And you know, some kids pick that up and run with it, and some kids are like, uh, "Dude, the world's done." Like, I don't give a shit about that, money, cars, rap. I'm gonna be in the NBA.
0: Tell me, oh gosh,
1: I love it, dude. I'm like, oh yeah, dude. Oh yeah, I'll see you there. <laughs> like, dude, I like that. I like, I'm real with the kids, cause like, I I remind them that like, from here and like everything, and I I don't let them get away with some what some teachers do.
0: Uh-huh.
1: But like, I get extremely. Well, I think disrespected. the answer is
0: probably. I mean, it's it's like you have to you have to be respected as the authority figure in the room. There's different ways to do that. There's guys like me, and a Jesuit, who were super nice and super cool, and we respect the hell out of them. And there was ones that were super strict and super mean, and you hated them and you didn't respect them. But there were also ones who were super strict, but but you there's just certain ways to do it. You don't have to be a dick, but sometimes you kind of. I mean, especially with this. Demographic, I imagine, and tell me like a horror story. Yes, did kids like?
1: uh, Well, I'll tell you my theory on it. So, like, the real idea is servant leadership. Like, if you're gonna get people to follow you, no matter what their age is, you gotta employ certain tactics. You gotta play the group, and if you're willing to show the people that you want to follow you that you're willing to do what you expect them to do, Mm -hmm. they're like nine times out of ten gonna jump on board. Yeah. Well, like, you know, you can be there and be like, "I'm gonna," you gotta do 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 do, or you can just be like, "Hey, look, I'm doing it for you." Now it's your turn. I did it. You can do it. And just having a conversation, treating me, well, the discipline part is to save time. But then when you deal with like extreme disrespect and things that just totally derail, the zen of the room, your energy, like blatant disrespect, cursing, it's hard. And like to have to deal with that every day and come back from it. But there are times where it's great. The horror story. Three weeks left of school. Friday afternoon we just had a 45 minute recess we're lining up waiting for this group of boys to come in line almost everyone's ready to go sixth grade's almost in waiting on these boys so I'll go over there to get them like guys get
0: in line
1: being annoying come to get in line and I'm talking to one of them as we come around this wall and as I turn back around so like I'm talking behind over my right shoulder Mm -hmm. and as I turn back around I see a rock come over the line and i see it come zinging right over and it's not like a well oh, that's a pebble thrown in the air like i see it fuck and it's coming right at my face and i dodge and it hits me right here right on like my right pectoral like He's pointing right his on my upper clavicle yeah like clavicle area if it would hit me in the face it would have broke my glasses it could have broke my nose could have chipped a tooth could have fucked me up it, I was stunned. I was like, oh, my God. And, like, the thing was, like, that wasn't an accident. That thing was thrown at me from the behind the line so that, like, I wouldn't see who was at me.
0: By a guy who's going to be in the NBA. I'm An athlete.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Scholar. <laughs> Leader amongst men. It could have been a girl, actually. I narrowed it down to a boy and a girl. Oh, you didn't find out. That is the story. So, after the initial shock of realizing what happened, I look at the rock on the ground i'm like oh my god so i pick it up of course it's not it's not a pebble it is like a half dollar sized lima bean rock like piece of concrete i have it still i have it still because oh, this wow. is the rock that broke the teacher's back is what i, <laughs> I, I called it and I, I i like the the kids who are in the front of the line saw it happen and they see me look at the rock pick it up and then when i look up at the kids and i'm seeing the back of the the my colleague teachers who are lining the kids up and i see the kids in the front of the line who are watching the teachers and trying to get inside and the good kids their faces are all shocked they're all like oh my god and then when they see me look at them they're all just like oh, like that didn't happen i don't know what's going on and i come up and i tell like miss brown and miss taylor i'm like "It's got hit with this rock and they're like, what, what? I'm like, no, like, this was thrown at me. Like, I almost got hit with this rock. We tried to figure out who it was. We let one of the classes go because I know it wasn't anyone from that class unless they hopped over. Uh-huh. Either way, we kept Ms. Brown's class. She's like a middle aged black lady. She is like the grandma to a lot of the kids. Like, they, she's in the gosh. She can, like, she knows them all on like, a real level and they listen to her. So she's like, who threw it? Who threw the rock? Da-da, like, trying to figure out who it oh, was. Never... We couldn't figure it out. And I'm still just in shock that it actually happened.
0: Cause you kind of view yourself as a well liked.
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, like I coach all the sports. Like I have like I do a lot for the kids. Like I send kids to D.C. this year. Like I do a lot for the kids. And I would say there's there's a group of kids who dislike certain teachers, and there are kids who like me who treat other teachers like shit. And like it, you know, there's that old story. But there's like a a, a hardcore group of kids at our school that treat no one with respect. And this is what it comes back to. Mm-hmm. They don't respect themselves. They don't respect where they live. How can they respect the school? How can they respect the teacher if you don't respect yourself? You almost can't blame them. Yeah, it's hard. And the system has crushed them and they have no way. But we try time and time again and like not just punitive measures. We have restorative measures to be like, we know something is wrong. Let us help you what is wrong. Mm-hmm. Shut down. Tears, punching, crying. And like so that's like where it comes down to where My administration never found out who threw the rock, which really upset me because uh, I don't want to be at a school where a student can get away with throwing a rock at a teacher. And I just think about if that would have hit me in the face, I would have evidence. But if I would have hit a teacher who was a female, like one of the skinny little white girls, it would have been a big deal. The school would have shut down. But it hit me and it got swept under the rug and the kid got away with it. Big surprise that a week later... A kid who has not listened to me every single day since August, except for the, like, 40 to 60 days that he wasn't at school this year. Looked me in the eyes after not listening to me for the past 40 minutes. to, Please sit down. Please sit down. No, seriously, like, please sit down. Why are you jumping off the desk? Stop throwing apples. Quotes. Those are quotes. Mm-hmm. Looks me in the eye. Oh, God well no he leaves the room which is an automatic detention comes back and I'm like where were you he said oh I had to go do this I said no dude you didn't you could have done that on your way out like you know, every day since August we've had this conversation that you could do it on your way out you have detention tomorrow and he's like it's Friday tomorrow's Saturday I said you're right excuse me you have detention on Monday I'm sorry and he just looks me in the eyes and he goes fuck you white boy and he just kicks out my shelving boom books and boxes of crayons and just random shit that I'm packing in my classroom just all over the floor and he just walks out the door, slams the door and goes out and is out in the hallway like, like all upset like tensed up with the fist, and like the I'm the mad 10 year old boy like this is the maybe the 15th time similar things have happened but the fuck you white boy kicking out the shelves while looking me in the eyes is a new level he had told my co-teacher his dad was gonna kill him total bullshit he had flipped chairs, laid on the floor, cried, I've seen it all. But to do this on the last week of school, and my director comes up like, oh, what's wrong? what's wrong?" I'm like, Ryan, he just did this, you got to keep him like he can't go home. like you have to hold him. gets on his bus, goes home on a Friday afternoon knowing he just did that. Then my school director, really good guy, hard work. We had a great three year working together. He's also leaving this year. Moving to California. What happened? Tell him the story. And I said, Ryan, this has been happening since August. Well, well, did you, you know, did you like write him up? Yes, Ryan, I wrote him up probably ten times this year. He's been suspended multiple times. Okay, well, did you refer him to SBLC, which is a Google form that like they meet every now and again to talk about like serious students that have emotional disorders, physical, m- mental, anything and they try to figure out how to serve them. SBLC, like student behavior, life, whatever. No, Ryan. He missed 50 plus days of school, has been written up and suspended multiple times. If I needed to fill out a Google form for you to start trying to like fix this kid, like what are we doing here? We failed. So when I say that we failed this student, he leaves and he goes to our dean of students, which is a 6'8", 340-pound black guy named Ezzy who is an amazing man. Sorry, I shouldn't say names, but he's an amazing guy. Him and I have had a great three-year relationship as well. He's an ex-Baton-Rouge police officer, like, has a family, like, he's never been a teacher, but he knows what's going on. He's our dean of students. And he deals with the, the weed, the knives, all the crazy shit every day, the fights, everything. He deals with it all. He's there at 8 o'clock with all the kids. He comes in, he says, so I hear you think that we failed Larry and I like I kind of like I'm emotional and say like, yeah, like like he's been in detention every day. He, like, he disregards, disrespect, does this stuff and this happened. And he said, well, I served every one of those detentions with Larry when he stayed. And I said, as you're right, and you know that I know that, but I, he earned every one of those detentions with me fighting me throwing my shit and today he does this and he goes home and we act like it's okay and last week i got a rock thrown i mean y'all haven't done a single thing about it like I f- it's like it's personal he's like, yeah well i feel like it's personal for me too and i said ezzy dude i'm not trying to make it personal this is a friday afternoon it's storming down rain and i'm like Dude, I don't even want to talk about this anymore. We yeah, I'm about- ready for
0: the for the ending so I can ask the next question, which is the, the really nice thing that has happened oh so far. Oh my god, dude. I got I just
1: detracted on that so hardcore. I'm
0: yeah, this sorry. is no, no problem at all, but it's just like
1: Vince Sesh, it's so real though. And he didn't even mean anything by it. I feel bad for the kid, but like there's only so much you can handle. Dude, like I'm not which happy with that Way
0: less than what I even could would have even got to. Like I freaking admire and applaud you for, for being able to make it that far. There's just, still
1: so much more that could be done. But I do want to say that there is more good than I could ever explain in a sit down. But I'll tell you one story. I want to
0: hear like when when the the light in their eyes. Oh, started I've seen to that shine. in
1: class yeah. a couple times where I've connected dots, mm-hmm. like you know, midway through the year when they like when that big theme of social studies or that trend. They're like, oh! They see all the things come together. They, they have the background knowledge. They have the vocab. And when they understand it, the things get connected. I, they, the light goes off. Mm-hmm. You know, whether they realize that, oh my god, Western civilization is the bane of humanity. You know, like, that's down the road. But I will say that like, I have seen the light bulb go off. But a couple of like special moments over my three years was um, coaching the sports. Uh, I coached flag football, basketball, and baseball for 5-6. And then Helped coach the 7th, 8th grade team depending on the season. Uh, uh, was winning the baseball championship my first year, 5'6". It's because we had these 6th graders that were just phenoms. But, like, <laughs> no, seriously, like, if they got their shit together, they could play NCAA ball. I'm not even kidding. They're incredibly good. As 13-year-olds, they're young men that can crush a ball 400 yards. I'm not kidding. They can pitch 90 miles an hour. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's wild. Squishy heads, literally the squishiest of heads. <laughs> it's it's unreal. So I love them. So that was a great moment. I got to take some some select students on some amazing field trips. There was the World War II Museum Air Sea and Land Fest where they had all the vintage World War II prop planes out of the uh, Lakefront Airport, and they also had tanks and recreators like reenactors and like planes on the ground and the B twenty nine that dropped the atomic bomb and like. All this oh, shit. sick. Not the exact Enola Gay, but like a replica of it. And like you could go into it and it was really cool. And just to be able to take by myself 38 students on this f- wide open field trip that on a horrifying. Friday afternoon was really cool to do that. No, it was amazing.
0: They loved it. They were well behaved. Oh my and- God.
1: I have pictures of them like, all dressed up and the, the stuff. Yeah, and, kids
0: love field trips. And it,
1: yeah. the best part was is like, I, I chose leaders and good kids. I had a connection with them, and like they had performed well, and they showed shown interest in social studies. And they knew it was a privilege to be there. And it was across four grades, so I brought 5th to 8th graders. And it was really cool because no one got lost, not a single incident, Nothing, And mm-hmm. there was a whole afternoon where I was videotaping and they were just doing the obstacle course and running around. I said to stay in this area for the mm-hmm. next hour, two hours. It was great. So that was uh, a special moment because it can be done. Yeah. And then this year, uh, I took a larger group of students with three adults. Uh, we took fourth to eighth graders to go see the tall ships down in Worldenberg Park for the tricentennial of New Orleans. The tall ships, they brought in some tall ships. Uh, like sailboats and we learn about those boats and they don't know what those boats are so to go actually see those hypo boats is pretty cool so I know all this stuff is really uh, riveting
0: (laughs) no man I I love you but
1: I like to like have to like teach social studies and get to like go out there and see these kids nerding out is is really awesome
0: that's That's freaking,
1: and not to mention all the amazing comic book stuff going on, which is like I'm a massive comic book nerd, and like to be (laughs) able to get to like teach West African kingdoms while teaching Black Panther. Like one of my assignments was imagine you're a West African king, having to go to Wakanda and pay loyal like pay homage to the Black Panther, like write it like write what you would tell the Black Panther. And, like, that to me was really cool. But then at the same time, I buy the movie. It just comes out. This is the end of year wind down assignment with six graders who I've had for two years. I had trouble getting them to watch Black Panther at school. What? So you know what I do? I say, you know what? I'm stopping this movie. This is the stuff that I had to watch. And it was on a VHS, that, on a cart that was rolled in on a TV. There wasn't even, a, there wasn't even a, a computer or a TV in the room. It was a special deal. And you know what we watched? And I played for them Schoolhouse Rock.
0: Fuck yeah! And I'm
1: not kidding. I'm not kidding. As we're watching the they uh, it. like the America like coming across like the American Revolution one, uh, I get an alert on my phone that the founder of Schoolhouse Rock died. I swear, it was one of the craziest moments. I stopped the videos and I said, "Kids." You have to hear what happened. I had goosebumps. I was freaking out. The kids like even saw that I was like weirded out by it. Uh-huh. And I'm like, just for, like I stopped the movie. I'm playing the video. Like I didn't do this in the last class. I didn't plan for this. I'm doing it for you. And then as I'm doing it, like I, I stopped it. I showed the doc cam, like the alert on my phone. Why do you have the alerts like
0: that set up? Like
1: oh well, because I have a school phone. So I just have my school phone there, so I know the time, like for transitions. And it just buzzed while the video was going on, and I looked at it and said, whatever his name was. Dead. Uh, the founder of school has rock. Dad in this home, ninety-two something, something years old. Sketchy. And I was like, "What?" So that was just a, a crazy happenstance. You were a big fan
0: of Black Panther. I loved it. I thought it. it was really I well done. I fucking love. Really it's like cool. Eleven out of ten. Really cool. Movie. Yeah. Oh my goodness. A
1: really important step in the Marvel Cinematic Universe.
0: More I agree because it's cultural, a good movie, comic a bunch <laughs> of lame movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I I don't not really familiar with the. The car, Not cartoon, sorry. The comic. Um, but, God bless me, was that a super well-done movie. Um, I'm going to f- jump into a little bonus round. Can you can you drop a little fun-known historical fact on me? Yeah. So. Just something that like people probably don't... Like a Dr. Lavonic style. Uh, like.
1: Well, we could maybe pl- try and play a fun game with it. Um, uh-huh. You just... Th- think of a topic like say something random i know dr Levonik used to do dates he used to say like he'd yeah. say when's your birthday and you would say your birthday and then he would say a battle or some like because he was a cool military trick. Yeah. historian he would say a battle or something that happened that day well you know i don't i don't know dates per se but if you were to like pick a topic i could maybe say something that is a little unknown or maybe okay. the true history you know the
0: unknown um let's just go with lisbon portugal
1: Oh, okay. Well <laughs> Portugal on the uh the west coast of the Iberian Peninsula is a is a very interesting place. Uh I'm actually reading a book called The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho, and I'm pretty sure he's from Portugal. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> and um. Portugal the man. <laughs> Coming to a festival near you.
0: Um the is it our protector, the the court, the giant statue in Brazil in Rio?
1: Oh, the what do the they call? Yeah, yeah, they're like the most struck by lightning structure in the world. <laughs>
0: that makes sense. I just kind of saw like a bunch of sweet drone shots and like actual pictures of that. That's that shit cool. is crazy. You, yeah, I'm it's a giant structure,
1: that. and I think it's very funny to have a Western god on the mountains of like a very indigenous place. Right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who built that?
1: Uh, it was the. Portuguese that mixed into British, I mean, not British, uh, local Brazilian populations, like indigenous people. The Aztecs, it's right? The Aztecs were Mexico. That's in Rio de Janeiro. The
0: Incas or the Mayas?
1: Or the- it's the Amazonian lowlands. The Incans were more to the west on the Andes. So, geography teacher. Okay.
0: Give me a fun known fact about U.S. history.
1: Okay. Um, <clears throat>
0: like George Washington.
1: George Washington. Uh.
0: Pulled. Totally pulled. Pulled. What does that mean? G W. Uh, to be sexually successful with a member of your cho- chosen opposite sex, or to like hook up with like if you oh, pull yeah. babes. Oh yeah. It's like a it's like a silly way to modernize a historical figure by saying he like totally got got it. Oh, yeah. Got his wreck on, Dude, like we say. It's over a little
1: known <laughs> thing. Raspberry Street. Very, (laughs) very unknown, but I heard that that motherfucker has like 30 goddamn dicks. Washington, Washington, six foot 20, fucking killing for fun.
0: Opponents beware.
1: Opponents beware. He's coming. He's coming. Sorry, this is like one of the greatest YouTube videos ever made by Brad Neely, a hilarious comedian. You definitely should have heard this video back in the day. Um,. Washington, either
0: way. Quit so, stalling and tell me something cool about GW.
1: He is probably one of the most successful revolutionaries ever. He could have been a king, and he chose not to. He was very rich. Mm-hmm. He lived a life of leisure, was a rock star, had circles that he milled around in. There's no telling what he dabbled in.
0: But he in- was a surveyor, Right.
1: He was a land prospector, but he was in the French and Indian War as a young man. Mm-hmm. He was at the very first battle of the French and Indian War. His jacket from that battle, the Battle of Eumenville Glen, has 13 bullet holes in it. His cape. His horse got shot out from under him, but he lived this battle.
0: Didn't he like always charge... Like, at the front of the lines?
1: Well, not when he was, like, the commander of the Continental Army, which is his greatest military endeavor. But when he was young, yes, that's why he was such a a big military figure in the colonies. Because when he served the crown, he earned his distinction as a colonial commander who served well under fire in the heat of the battle. And he served the entire French and Indian War, losing his first battle, but leading Virginian troops to great success. So, yes.
0: Talk to me about being on the front line of a battle like when it was old school where people are firing out muskets and there's cavalry charges and cool. stuff. I mean, do you, are you just swinging and hacking and, like, checking behind your back every once in a while? Or, like, God, that's going to suck.
1: This is actually a great topic. There's a lot of modern research coming out on this, and it traces back. So if you go back to, like, old school battles, like, so think the Romans and the Greeks, they had, like, really strategic tactics. But if you think about large-scale engagements of, like, Vikings versus like knights, and they just go at each other, and they hack for ten hours until everyone's dead. no. They they come across from each other right outside of range, and they taunt each other, and they come at each other, and they fight, and they hack, and then they back up, and they regain their strength, and they just do this. Over and the I mean, they'll have the
0: convoys like slipping but then, around of the mountains. There's always
1: the battles and the tactics where there's you know. For example, like Roman tactics where like, they fall back in the middle and the army comes in the middle and then they have the cavalry that comes around and like pincers them in. Mm-hmm. And there is like – if you move forward and you go to sustained musket volley lines of two armies sitting there shooting uh, slugs of metal at each other, .5A caliber, bigger than a fifty cal, Jeez. hunks of metal at each other, some rounded, and then eventually moving towards – the, the pointed rifled bullets of the Civil War, which made it so deadly. It's a game of mental fortitude because if you get to within range of these deadly weapons and you have a successful volley where you kill a lot of people at one shot, they respond and you respond again and you kill them again, it is morally demon- like like the pe- they're going to break and run. And then once they're in flight, you can then shoot in tactics like cavalry charges and things like that but i think that people think that it's these sustained engagements well there were but like it is really quick Mm -hmm. i mean and then then you go from war to war from period to period it's really hard to decide but like the french and indian war was a small engagement in like colonial hideouts like forts in the middle of nowhere on rivers fighting for millions of acres of land that no one from that country even lived on right. but they're fighting for it Yeah, and they're spending money and then the, that money leads to the taxes that the British government puts on the co- colonists and then that leads to the proclamation line of 1763 down the Appalachian Mountains where uh, colonists can't move any further west because who are they coming in contact with? The people who live there Native, Native Americans, Americans. Yeah. the Native Americans are fighting who Let's has, edit, let's who edit has that to in
0: where I, where I answer a lot more quickly, Mason Keep going <laughs>
1: Native Americans Native Americans <laughs> and so, they're, so they're coming Into conflict with each other and Like if there is A massacre Who has to go And they're the British troops So they say Fuck y'all You can't go there Anymore because We have to pay for it And we already Spent billions of dollars Saving your ass Fuck y'all Ten years ago So it's We're done And it, it's all Within the treaty Of Paris Ending the French And Indian war The seven years war As is known In Europe Because there were Also European battles To it And battles in the Caribbean And naval engagements In America it's known as the French and Indian war Right. And that leads to the American Revolution, because George Washington owned millions of acres Q, west
0: Q, guy.
1: of the proclamation, set, proclamation line of 1763.
0: Do you have a favorite already talked about. battle in history? Dude. Or well, That's a great question. A wealth of favorite ones like me, because yep. my mind's probably Thermopylae. Just because it has been super glorified, but like I actually translated in ancient Greek, like the account of that battle, and it's it was
1: it was greater events than just the 300 men on the coast. I mean, the you know Archimedes and the Athenian navy fighting the Persian navy at the same time.
0: I don't. I'm not super familiar with with that. Is that one of your favorites? I don't want to swagger. No, no, no. no,
1: I was I was talking about Thermopylae because I think it's that's a that's a good one. That's a good choice. Mm -hmm. But if I was to have to choose. it's just really relevant. Um, yesterday was the I don't know 70 somethingth anniversary of D-Day, and when you talk about a group of people doing something monumental, like world changing, that that was a day that the world changed. And it's it's hard in modern history to choose a day that could have gone a, you know a completely different way. If Rommel wasn't at his wife's birthday party, if Hitler wasn't sleeping, that Panzer division could have been moved into action. But instead, it, it stayed sleeping in Belgium. Could have been there like that,
0: mm. you
1: know. So it's it's things like that that make it such a special day. Um,
0: I guess I kind of want to hear about really inventive tactics that, like Napoleon or like Alexander the Great, David. like oh they like pushed all these boulders off this mountain cliff and like sandwiched. <laughs> the, like I want to hear like some creative battle strategy. Okay. Type y- battles. Y-
1: yeah. So one of the big ones, uh, just because I already mentioned this. Uh, was the Battle of Zuma in 206 BC in which the Romans were fighting the Carthaginians in, like, their third war. And at one point, they have their cohorts, you know, their sections of shielded, speared troops. And...
0: Yeah, what's, what's like, the top weapon here? It's a bow and arrow?
1: Yeah, and I, I guess at the time, the Romans would have those, um, what are they called? The, the things that big crossbows that they wind up... Oh, and they shoot big uh, Like catapult bolts. crossbows Yeah, just like wind up
0: Whoa. Whoa. bolts This is like, like yeah. Lord of the Rings, Two Towers kind of
1: stuff. Yeah, dude, talk about the greatest battle in history Battle of Helms Deep Yo, just that's bought
0: the saying. extended edition Dude, two I have all three You watch them sometime? Oh my have god Have them on Amazon Go Oh my god, every summer Me and a couple of my bros We just watch all three extended editions and you, you, you have friends? Believable. I got one or two That's, that's cool
1: I think we did that at the house. I think you were there when we set yep. up the... Taylor Christie's room. Really, yeah, when yep. we set up all the... Uh, and we set up the ch- like the the stadium in there with like the uh,
0: the sofas on it. That was pretty cool. Let's not get sidetracked. We're in Carthage in 204 Yeah, four so what happens is
1: is there's the front line of the Romans and the Romans are known for their discipline. They're professional soldiers so that it's really incredible. When you're fighting a Roman army, you know that you have to play it 100% because they're like undefeatable. Well, what... What the Roman leader, maybe Scipio Africanus, did was he had his middle troops feign as if they were retreating, so they bulged the middle of their line back, and instead of like playing it safe and like trying to still keep the flanks of the Romans in, they charged in the middle, and Hannibal like sends in everyone in the in like the main hmm. thrust in the middle. So what they did is they then had them come in. And then they boxed them in, and then they had their, like, cavalry, like, shock troops come out from around the other side of, like, they actually crossed a river in really quickly. Like, mm. as the line started to bulge, they started crossing. They started making the maneuver to then close in the army within the Roman army, and then they just pincered them.
0: How do you make that play call? Like, is is Scipio Africanus, like, on a mountain Yeah,
1: but that was the plan going into the away? battle. He okay, knew that they, they knew that, oh, the Romans are retreating! Let's get them. Yeah. We'll drive them from the field, and we shall win. But it's not about the field where the battle happens. It's the amount of men that are alive, and they retreated with having very little casualties.
0: So it's, that was a predetermined. It was a feint. Oh call. yeah, big time. Where is the general in a battle like this? Is he like is he like on a mountain watching?
1: On a mountain, probably like some elevated surface in the rear.
0: Yeah, with like a sick table with like a, like a detailed map of the area. If It's Napoleon, and, like, yes. Troops and stuff. That's horses
1: and tents and, like, your personalized guard, flags, commanders, couriers.
0: And he's got to give signals somehow?
1: Yeah, so that's what you have. You have runners and 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 then, like, Roman units that had those standards, those tall poles with flags on it, you know. That was a way to that communicate. That was a way to communicate over long distances. And they also had uh, candles that were in these boxes. You could... Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. I saw one of those recently in a, a museum that blew my mind because it was really fucking old. It was Chinese from like the early hundreds. Whoa. I'm like, dude, that is like really cool. Like you could definitely see that on a fucking mountain a hundred miles away. (laughs) Think about that. That's how they like, then that's how they communicated on the sea.
0: Damn. i digress. No, not at all. (laughs) I'm going to do one more fun known fact before asking you a couple bonus round questions. Um. I mean, you don't, do you not have like a a favorite like I'm at a cocktail party, and I know this fun historical fact, or maybe everyone thinks this about Martin Luther King, but really like cheat on his wife a bunch or stuff like that, like kind of like uh anything controversial or juicy. Um, if you need more direction, I can try and
1: no that that's this. actually uh, a good a good push. Uh,
0: yeah, there's so much intrigue
1: and dirty secrets out
0: there. give me some conspiracy, give me some fucking. Some blurred lines and some sw- swept underneath rug type juice of history what I
1: love about New Orleans is that New Orleans was always a place on the edge of the of the civilized world, right and New Orleans was always a, a place of hooligans of Ruffians. rogues yeah. hooligans, the outcast, people running away, people kicked out of their other you know their other place, like the French Canadians or whoever. Well, I love that foundation of New Orleans because it's always been personified by the trees and the swamp and the bayous and the tangled, you know, back alley you know, cage in life. I just think it's it's beautiful. Rap scallion. Yeah. And it's just this, you know, like off the grid lifestyle. Well, what's really cool about New Orleans was its strategic importance in the area, but before this was ever like really controlled by you know, I guess France or Spain or even America Jean Lafitte ruled this area, and just being such a controversial figure for the time. having a, a privateer, right? Yeah, he was a privateer, which, um, you know, he has a pseudo-legitimate status, but that's only after he saved New Orleans. His whole orig- like original founding is a pirate.
0: Yeah, he was going to be screwed, but uh, then... Oh, yeah, he saved New Orleans,
1: right. and that's what I'm going to get to. So the idea is this one man grows up being a swashbuckling pirate, like... Living in this world, of New Orleans, where anything goes, and having the money to do it, and partying, and fancy clothes, and I'm um, Jean Lafitte, and his family's wealth. He has a place on Bourbon Street. He has uh, warehouses and babes and anything you want. He's a trader. He's a black market smuggler. Sup? You you want it? You know where to go, and that's like what New Orleans always was for this part of the world. Is like it's a international portuga. Port. <laughs> yes exactly and i love that aspect of new orleans foundation and it's still you know around in many ways and it's taken form over the time but one of my favorite stories about jean lafitte is that you know of course he hit gold out in uh, texas and all these stories well governor claiborne uh right before the war of 1812 it has a bounty out for his head says i'll pay you like a thousand dollars if you dead or alive, if you bring me Jean Lafitte, this is the governor of Louisiana at the time. So what does Jean Lafitte do? He puts a bionni out on the governor's head for $10,000. <laughs> and it's just like one of those things that like he just completely fooled him and just exactly, uh, for the record, let it state that <laughs> he made a um, self-masturbation. I
0: pantomimed um, rolling back the sleeves of a uh, Chips Ahoy bunch of cookies. Uh, back and forth no it was an ejaculatory
1: it it was well-timed gesticulation it was timed so i I just love that and then he ends up doing what andrew jackson couldn't do which is save new orleans from the british they had already burned the white house the war is already over it's taken the british months they've built rafts they've come up all these little bayous to take this city Mm -hmm. because their boat's gonna make it up the mississippi river
0: war was already finished Right? it was over.
1: On the morning of January 8th, they made their attack. It was a foggy morning. It was a cold morning. And the flint was wet. So at this time, their flintlock muskets could not fire. The mm-hmm. cannons could not shoot. But who is a trader in the area who has boats and guns and is a pirate? The
0: plug, as they would say over in school. Yeah.
1: The man who needs something so that he who has him. Oh, Jean Lafitte has 15,000 flints.
0: JL, JL's place. And he's
1: even, and the British had offered him land, royalty, boats of gold to take us to New Orleans, take us through the swamp with the boats Mm. to take New Orleans. And he said no. And there's a funny exchange between him and Governor, uh, sorry, General Braddock, who dies in the Battle of New Orleans, over this, and, uh... He basically just makes... He calls him out to his face, makes a jab. I like the idea that he just wears fancy clothes and sits on women's faces, apparently. Something like that. I don't know. Something very dirty for the time. That was hilarious. And uh, he basically says, fuck you. I love my... I'm a king down here. I don't need to be a, a noble in your land when I'm a king down here. So he saves the day by giving Andrew Jackson the flint. Even helps out by bringing some of his troops ashore to shoot cannons at the British. Mm-hmm. And as we all know, it's history. they rout the British... Uh, taking very little casualties.
0: I think I've been to, to that Chalamet. battlefield. Yeah,
1: it's a it's a great battle site. Uh, the park, Rodriguez right? yeah. Canal. Yeah. yeah, there's a great. Oh, there's here's a little known story to this. Uh, a, a young boy and his dog actually could arguably have saved uh, New Orleans as well. As the British are sneaking up these canals all on the eastern side of the river, uh, coming in from Ship Island through all those lakes and bayous that way, because that's the island where they could dock their big ships. I digress. They finally are making their way up to Chalmette on Villery Plantation, and there's a boy with his dog hiding in a tree, and the British are coming. You can hear the sound of their army, the boats, the commands, the chopping of the tree. Like, it, just, it makes a lot of sound. Well, the, the boy's dog is barking at him, so he hops down out of the tree and kills his dog and hides back up in the tree, so the troops pass, and then he runs to New Orleans to warn Jackson. And this is a true story. This is in letters.
0: Fuck.
1: And because of that, they're able to deploy troops because he runs up the river from like way down river. So they're still trying to find their way. So, what basically is, he sees them down river. He, he kills his dog to stay unnoticed, runs to the city, Fuck. and then they meet at the Rodriguez Canal of the Battle of Chalmette. As they progress closer to the city, the army finally makes it out to meet him.
0: Would you kill your dog to to save... Not Ophelia. Lot. Yeah, I don't think I would kill...
1: Not Ophelia.
0: Some of my favorite dogs.
1: No, I think Ophelia and I could take out the British Army, though. Just, just saying. Yeah. She is a bear.
0: God bless. That is pretty badass, color.
1: So, But it, but it's all connected, and, you know, it's these little moments and these little things that could go in so many different directions that, that to me, that unknown part or that little detail is what is what I love about history. You know, it's the details.
0: Mm, Yeah, I mean, come on, that's what makes it.
1: Sorry, I think, was that supposed to be a a rapid fun fact? Because that was like a 10-minute explanation about
0: nothing. You're doing exactly what you need to be doing. Um, If you could go to any other era in history, when and where would you go?
1: That's a a really good question. Um, That's a hard question answer I, so
0: I picked you picking like some like serene ancient Japanese kind of landscape.
1: Oh yeah, like to be a samurai in mm-hmm. feudal Japan would be really
0: awesome. What? Wait, okay, because that's
1: would also being a part of a very corrupt system that subjugates its people and purges. Tell and me, shit. tell me a little would, bit so about really
0: cool. feudal samurai Japan because it's glorified, right? Oh yeah, but like what was it actually like? Just training with your sword for ten hours a day and no way
1: hardly uh you in your youth you definitely did Uh, like a true samurai would true samurai is a way of life of landed aristocracy in the feudal system of japan so they own land that has peasants on it that do the work but when their lord calls up an army they have to go serve and then they bring their peasants as the the basic troops they're the leader and then you move up the ladder so it's just like medieval
0: europe where does the samurai come in? He's it's a knight. Hired by the serf. Yeah, every... No,
1: no they, he hires
0: serfs. Okay, okay.
1: So it's So it's, it's a triangle social structure in which coming down from the top is land and land. That's it. And what you need to, like, the power structure to be supported. And then coming up is food and services. It's funny and how the,
0: we think we can own land.
1: It's given to us or whatever, pay taxes on it in many ways. It's just funny.
0: Like, oh, this little square is mine. Okay. <laughs>
1: nice, dude. That is a shout out to Jordan Schwartz right there. That was a classic one right there. I
0: was channeling a uh, little Jake Shane there. He's one of his good buddies. I saw him yesterday. He's a great guy to see. He uh, got some white camping gear. He's trying to build up his, uh, his pack. Feudal Japan. Samurai Warrior, what's your day look like? It's not as, as like, it's not just all meditation and and slaughtering. It definitely is. It, like, it's
1: reserved. You have a daily. Immoral set people. Up. Uh, it, there are times of war in feudal Japan in which, they, like samurais, they just went to war for
0: a year and they did just slice people. So it wasn't a school of of combat and philosophy.
1: Oh well, yeah, I would say that there's like a, a a large portion of what, what's called retainers are like lower samurai who do live at the at the the manner of the Lord who needs a hundred person escort everywhere he goes to show his power. And they're all wearing the same uniform and they have the haircut and the shite, you know, all that. But like, you know, true samurai, you know, they live out in the country. They're feudal. um, They do come in and they are proficient with the sword. Some of them are known for their prowess with the sword. Some of them are farmer soldiers. But I, I love that mystical idea of the meditating reserve discipline samurai but there on the flip side there's also the wild cave dwelling Ronin who's you know leader has been killed and he's just like a, a wandering samurai which I think is also a really cool thing which if you like this topic you should watch uh, any film by Akira Kurosawa with Toshiro Mifune they're 50s 60s Japanese films that are in black and white that are amazing they make us
0: study those in school um he did the, the one where Yojimbo the they disappear in the Hashimoto's. woods. Uh that's dead.
1: Fortress uh wilderness, wilderness. It's Star Wars Seven is based Samurai. on that. Oh, Seven, Samurai. Seven yeah, Samurai, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the legendary one. Um
0: very cool, Connor Do you want to run through the I'm so pumped he made these little like notes and stuff. Oh what? no,
1: that's just like a notebook that I have just for like things that are going on. Um
0: Well did you bring
1: I didn't bring anything prepared for this. This was just like take notes. Oh, okay. I kind of just carry that with me everywhere right around now. I'm just writing a lot of notes down. I was Thanks wondering what
0: you were going to ask me about a yard sale. I didn't uh, quite understand that. You want to explain <laughs> that one to the world? Oh, well, uh, I'm going to maybe try and have a yard sale. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. I, at the end of this, I want to ask if you have anything to plug. So, Books. come on by. Books and... Uh, selling old puzzles and... <laughs> and <laughs> antiques. Yeah,
1: kind of, um... Like, things that I just have acquired, like books and maybe some camping gear and just excess stuff to sell. Because, like I said, I, I don't have a job next year, so... Not yet. Well, yeah, but I'm not looking for one either. I'm actually just going to go out west with Oaf and I, go camping, drive okay. up... Okay, tell me tell Drive me up to the this? northwest.
0: How far northwest? Like, like, Washington?
1: Yeah, like, not into Canada, because I want to do that as a separate trip, but... Um, oh, And then come back over through Montana and then down the Rockies into Colorado.
0: During what season? Summer?
1: Yeah, like September, October.
0: So a little cold.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Damn, dude. That's gonna be tight. Yeah, I'm excited. And then um I wanna goals? Any specific things you wanna do? Yeah,
1: there's a lot of them. You know, like glacier and all the national parks and it's gonna be mostly a wilderness trip. Um I guess I'll go through cities, but like I'm really gonna be spending and to visit anyone. Uh who lives in the area. Yeah, which I need to figure that out. But um definitely gonna be Really spending my time in the wilderness with the pup. Whoa! Yeah, I'm excited. And then come back, figure something out. But uh, Boone's getting married in October, so I got to be back for that. Is he? Yeah.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. So then I got to come back for that, or well, not go to Lexington for that. I'm Excited. Fun. Yeah.
0: Oh man. And then our uh, our mutual buddy is Daniel Boone's great 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 grandson. Yeah. His name is. Well, maybe we shouldn't use specific names, but. He's legit, folks. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. Wow, cool. He's, he's a good a, dude. What an incredible trip. So you're thinking that in a couple months? Um, are you worried about any, like, bear attacks or, like, Yeah, that, that's true, or?
1: but I am bringing a bear with me.
0: That is true. Shout out to your sweet little girl. I know,
1: and I also do know how to, like, have a bear bag, and I'm going to get a bear box. Uh-huh. So, like, yeah, will be fine. A bear box? Yeah, so, like... It's a canister that is scent-proof that, like, if a bear wanted to, it still couldn't even get in there. And not to mention, uh, like, a Yeti is
0: a bear box, bear-proof. So they're attracted to just Smells.
1: Your toothpaste, your deodorant. And they can smell
0: you from, like, a
1: mile away, right? Yeah. So if if you're ever camping out west in a place where you're you're rural enough to have bears, never have anything like that in your tent, ever. Hmm. So every time you go to sleep, you hang it up in a tree outside of your campsite, or you put it in your bear box or in your car.
0: All right. Yeah. Any, anything else you want to touch on? Uh, any other historical angst?
1: I mean, it's funny. Like, I, I... I mean, I appreciate you having me on here. Of course, I, I could always talk about any of this shit because <laughs> sometimes it's shit and sometimes it's awesome.
0: Dude, we'll have to have you... Be- you are such a... Goddamn fountain of knowledge. It, I'm truly a... St- like, I just sat back and in- enjoyed the show pretty much. I'm sorry I didn't have as much to contribute. Mm,
1: no, I, I was actually going to apologize for talking too much. It's a talk <laughs> show, baby. That's
0: what we do. Yeah, but
1: I, I like to sometimes be reserved, and so sometimes it's nice to talk.
0: I I knew you were going to explode and evolve into <laughs> a Charizard on here. This is exactly why I wanted you on.
1: Well, I sometimes, like, build walls and, like, don't let them down and try to, you know be a certain way but if i'm in like the right situation i'm definitely willing to talk about anything and like i said get to a higher truth
0: dude you have such a great voice it's like and i don't mean like the timbre of your voice although that is quite lovely (laughs) uh no you just have this fucking passion it's like contagious man it makes me want to (laughs) learn um final question how can we make the world a better place
1: Be nice to everyone else. Like, just do good. You know, and just realize that if you do good to other people, and everyone just has that right mindset, and it, you know, everyone just pays it forward, it could be a nice place. But we just lose it, and
0: where do we get so lost? So much negativity.
1: We, just, we want it. Convenience. Do we? Ego. Yeah. That's the biggest trap these days.
0: I mean, technically, we're all just part of the same soup, like, as we established yeah, in the beginning. Yeah. So I guess. We're already dead and we're already in heaven and hell. (laughs) We're right on that brink. And it's like, that's a lot of scary being everything. So maybe it's a little bit safer and more comfortable to be like, oh, wait, I'm me and my ego is important. And it's so easy to get caught in that trap. But like, if you just kind of realize you're a part of something way more dope than you. It kind of all suffering comes back to what you think about yourself, right? And if you kind of just melt into existence, I don't know. I've never truly been able to articulate how I feel. But the key to enlightenment is just accept where you are, right? Be content right here. And I think being nice, it's just such so a more fun way to live. Yeah. And I guess no one wants to be mean, but... Well said. But just smile and laugh. and Yeah,
1: and honestly, that's really well said because it's never something like intentional. It's like pitfalls. It's like modern pitfalls. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're worried about your job. You're worried about how you look. You're worried about this. You're worried about your family, your status, da-da-da-da. And it all comes the root core of that or your money, how you look, car, you're driving. all comes back to you and how people perceive you. And because in this world where we're made to be competitive and dog-eat-dog dog and advertised and the language used in capitalism,
0: we're all... And just natural selection. Natural like selection, you human wanna... competitiveness. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Sexual selection, like you oh, want to yeah. be... So like,
1: when I say just like those buzzwords, I'm just saying that because yeah. we were talking about them. But dude, it comes back to instincts all the way. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to get trapped in those pitfalls. And it, it, honestly, this is the thing that... like This was my motto as a teacher. It's easy to be negative. It takes true courage to be positive and find like the right way to go with things. And it's find hard the to do that. Yeah, in the it's negativity. hard to do it. To flip everything to a positive way, big and small. True courage. And when humans realize that it's gonna be easier if we all do it together <laughs> or most of us do it together, like it's easier. That's what society's about. But there's right. a lot of pitfalls these days. Like limited resources. That was one of my world enders that I didn't say. Limited resources. Water, food.
0: Do you have traffic to draw towards anything specific that you think can help out? I mean give more attention to less the, work. To the education system? Yeah. I mean, is there anything oh, specific time. you want to plug or big like time. Any charities you like, or any foundation? Yeah,
1: I think it's just a mindset, and it's it's you know it's easier said than done, but it's a systematic issue where humans are like caught up in this hustle bustle, and you know it's it's easier to say oh you should work less, and you know but someone else is willing to take your job and work those harder hours for you, so I understand that, but like we just need to rethink about what it means to be human. We're not supposed to work nine to five every day while having a family and neglecting everything else and piling on shit while neglecting everything while keep moving on. You're supposed to work and have a hobby and serve something and earn your keep, but then you're supposed to come back and nurture and relax and be yourself and have like a connection, a family, a a hobby, a societal job, a task for humanity. And uh, in this modern world, we just get rid of that and we work these jobs that we hate To wear clothes that don't fit us or aren't functional, to drive cars that kill the earth, to do things that are wrong—you know, like I—it and it's like I said, it's not right. I'm not right. It's easier said than done, but like we just need to take a step back at what it means to be a modern, quote-unquote, enlightened, progressive, forward-thinking society of. Humans like we really do and it's a collective. It's an ubuntu. It's like a a world shift and unfortunately like Kurt Vonnegut says in Sirens of Titan it might take an outside invading alien force to like get us to come together or Hmm. some Cataclysmic event of the survivors who realize it, but we're smart enough to figure it out that we've got it We've fucked up enough times in the past Thousand years that we could figure it out for the next thousand right and it comes back to this idea that we act, or we look towards that like, like we always look at the world like we inherited this from our fathers. Like me studying in my genealogy, we inherited from my fathers and the people who came before you. Fuck that. Who are you leaving the world to? Mm-hmm. I'm not. Ba- I'm not inheriting it from my fathers. I'm borrowing it from my children. Whoa. And that's the type of way that humans need to like. 180, their view about nature and forward, conservation and sustainability and what it just means to be healthy. Like, all this process stuff is so bad for our bodies. All these pharmaceutical and carcinogens, it's so bad. And I put all of them in my body. But, like, <laughs> at the same time, I'm trying to not.
0: <laughs> well, dude, I fucking love you, and I'm glad you came on. Thank you for talking with us today. Thank you so
1: much. And I think this is uh, – a. What we talked about today is going to you know, go forwards in what we do. You know, it doesn't matter what we said today. It's what you and I and Mason exactly. and everyone who listens to this and anyone else goes out and does because that's what people remember, what you do, not what you say. And let's just go out there and make the world a better place, dude. I love you.
0: Love you, too, man. Let's kick ass on three. Um, also, don't text and drive. That's another thing I want to say. Don't fucking yeah. text
1: and drive. Don't it's do stupid. that shit. So hey, do hey, it. No, you know what? You can go home and kill yourself, but don't text and drive and kill me in the process. Yeah,
0: you dick. All right, signing off. Connor Roberts. Much love. Six, 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 six. <laughs>